0: In that case, okay. welcome everybody. Welcome everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'll try again. Try again. <laughs> um, we, are to, morning, uh, we are going to. Good morning, Commissioner Geller. We are going to switch our agenda around a little bit. Uh, Chip, are you? Uh, Commissioner Lamarca, are you on the phone? Do we have him on the phone? He was on a minute ago. Um, so, we'll is Mike here? Commissioner can Commissioner, you here? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay, okay, here. Okay, good. Okay, good. Okay, uh, good. We're going to start, uh, gonna with, gonna the start with the T D T because he, said you, had he a, said you had a, uh, quite an echo quite here. Quite an echo here. Um, because you have a um, window, limited correct? window, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, what is that? Oh. Hey, Chip, clo- mute yours for just one second, will you? It's okay, it. sure, go ahead. We're just checking for an echo. Yeah, it is. There it is. Okay, if you'll keep it on mute, otherwise we're getting an echo until you're ready to talk, okay?
1: Glad you answered that gotcha. he's ready to talk. Yeah.
0: Until you're ready to talk. Just keep it on mute. <laughs> Okay, we're going to start with the TDT and Bertha.
1: Thank you.
2: Um, so today, um, as the mayor's indicated, we're going to start with the tourist development tax. This will be a joint presentation um, by the budget staff, but also uh, Mr. Um, Anthony Cordo. He is the business development, development manager um, for the CVB. Unfortunately, our CVB director is out of town, oh. but uh, she, he's capable hands here
3: okay.
2: uh and uh i think we kick it off with anthony All righty.
3: thank you honorable commission members thank you and you want to hear me i guess i do uh, again honorable commission members thank you for your time uh thank you county administrator henry i want to real quick recognize the marketing advisory commission or uh, committee rather and the tourism development council members um thank them for their time in volunteering to be a part of our organization and guiding us um through the budgets we're Proceeding to show you here. So, I'm Anthony Cordo. Among other things, I've been brought on board to uh, guide some of the data and research to make sure that our organization is making decisions based on hard data. Um, and it's it's going to be a bright future for us. Um, over the next year, we've got a lot of exciting projects coming up in the CVB. Uh, first and foremost, we have an ad agency RFP. So, we are going to be looking for uh, a renewed uh, vigor behind an ad agency that can aggressively go after our potential tourists, uh, market the community as a vibrant place to be, and a great place to come and spend your money. Um, As part of that, that means that we are going to be looking into rebranding how we market the entire community. This uh, rebranding is going to focus on real data. For example, we're already starting with focus groups in uh, several states around the country, New York, Michigan, Massachusetts, Texas, Ohio, among others, as well as international uh, countries. That will turn into surveys that will follow up and gauge uh, thousands upon thousands of potential and existing visitors to Broward County. The intent, again, is to gauge what it is that make people want to travel, and more specifically, what it is that appeals to them about the Broward County area. Our community development, of course, is a very important part of this. When you're rebranding, you want to make sure that your community supports what you're doing, and uh, more importantly, that it reflects what your community thinks of itself. So we'll be launching the Destination Next survey program shortly. It's going to take... Input from elected officials, county leaders, industry leaders, citizens, I'll bring that all together and get us an idea of what our own community, our most important salespeople, think about our destination, what they think our strengths are, and what they talk to other people about how great Broward County is. So, data again. I brought uh, brought that up that I'm brought on board for that. Um, we're going to be meeting with several county agencies over the next couple of weeks here, including the port, the airport. Uh, and economic development to put together a research plan that brings all four of our organizations together to methodically approach what sort of data we need as a county, particularly economic data. We're going to be using this both to hyper target and better target our potential visitors, as well as to better uh, arm all of our organizations or our entire county with the data it needs to make decisions on uh, economic matters. On the group sales side of the business, we're working hard to fill the convention center with large citywide's, which cause compression to hotels throughout the county, as well as bring events to venues across the county in terms of sports events um, and other meetings. And uh, as part of that, you'll see in this budget, we're actually planning on adding an additional two sales folks to focus on bringing these large events that really uh, fill our restaurants, our attractions, our hotels, our retail. That's just a few of the projects for next year here. So... Um, if you have any questions, we can address them now or we can move on to some of the statistics to give you an update on the hotel health right now.
4: Let me ask.
0: Commissioner yeah. Holness and <coughs> Commissioner Burden. <coughs> Vice Mayor Bob,
4: You mentioned uh, focus groups and, and going to different states, into different markets. How do you determine who the focus groups are and what states and what communities you're going to?
3: Sure. Well, we started addressing the uh, largest feeder markets, what our research show as the states that draw the most people to Broward County. Uh, The same with international. United Kingdom uh, is one of our largest feeder markets, so we did a focus group there. Um, These focus groups, as a side note, are done uh, electronically via video. Um, We sit inside of a – it's actually a company local here um, who has a moderator on site um, who talks to these folks in their own computers, their own living rooms across the country. So the initial is on the states that draw a significant amount of traffic. The second area is uh, to focus on potential emerging markets for us. So these are states, geographies, uh, designated marketing areas that have people who are similar to the areas we know already come here but aren't yet coming. Here. To determine why, why are they not coming here, you're like the other folks that are, uh, and what can we do to create a better appeal to bring you here and to, again, get you to spend your money here.
4: So in terms of markets that – uh probably have not been targeted or focused on we don 't see any potential in those markets
3: we do and thats that's part of that second part is looking at those markets that we hadn't marketed to before but have similar uh, demographics yeah but or... they,
4: so you, you again when you say similar demographics, that means we 're just going for the same people that we 've looked at, but maybe in different places what i 'm looking to to the question i 'm trying to to get to is There are markets that may not have been coming here, Mm. that are not necessarily on our radars focused. Are demographic groups that have not been paid any attention to, that could potentially come, are we doing anything to look at that?
3: Yes, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to have to defer to Stacy when she gets here to answer that question. I know that, um, again, part of that RFP for a new marketing firm or a renewed marketing firm is to take a larger look at where all we have marketed in the past.
2: And I can assure you that that's um, the conversation that we're having at the, at the executive level. Uh, we're very um, conscious of the fact that the uh, of what the demogra- demographics are of our community and that we want to make sure that we're marketing consistent with our, our demographics as
3: well.
4: And there's a huge demographic shift and change within this country. So you, we could be left out of some uh, demographic groups if we don't recognize the fact that there's a huge shift occurring in terms of the age, the ethnicities uh, of the population.
3: But I guess I should have actually mentioned, you know, I'll give you an example that um, you brought age. You know, millennials is a market that five years ago folks would have laughed at marketing to because they didn't have a whole lot of uh, discretionary income at the time. But now it is very much the emerging market that is growing into folks that truly travel. So. Yeah, we are looking at different demographics, but it's something that um, I know that leadership is pushing us for.
0: Vice Mayor Bogan.
5: You said also that um, you're going to be doing rebranding. And since I've been here, um, we've spent, I believe we've spent a lot of money on branding. So when you say rebranding, you're telling me that we're changing our branding. So I guess my question is, what's wrong with our current branding? What are we changing our branding to and why?
3: Great question. So for starters, and I probably shouldn't have misspoke, we probably will rebrand, but not necessarily. It comes back to what these demographics and what these groups are telling us, the surveys, what our own community is telling us. Is our current brand truly reflecting who we are now? As people change and as the community changes, is it time to change? So um, I should have probably said potential rebrand rather than for sure. Um, We want to drive it by the data. If, If what we have now truly still resonates, then there's no reason to change it. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. Right. So we're going to launch into the occupancy rates. Okay. Um, there's uh, some major takeaways that I want to kind of give to you guys here. Uh, for first starters here, the first nine months, you'll see that there's a 1% increase in average occupancy. So that's the first nine months of FY18 versus uh, first nine months of FY17. Um, this is actually pretty impressive. Um, one of the stats that isn't shown on here, this is data from Smith Travel research, uh, research. They bring data in from the hotels. So all the major chains, even some of the motels in the area. Um, what it does not reflect, of course, is short-term lodging. So the fact that we have been able to absorb additional or additional um, supply in our market is very impressive. We've had about an additional 600 some different hotel rooms out of our market. But in addition to that, we have some, and this is definitely an estimate, but some 6,000 Airbnb properties alone on our market right now. And that's a 30% again, estimate 30% increase over the previous year's time. So you're looking at a market that is very resilient. The hotels are definitely working hard and are definitely finding ways to still increase the amount of people staying in them, despite ever increasing. The other big takeaway here is, um, the upscale properties. So, uh, Upscale properties actually lead our occupancy. So they are about 85% full on average throughout this first nine months. Um, upscale properties would be places like a Hyatt's, Marriott, Spring Hills. Um, they are our market leaders. So the typical person who's staying here is willing to spend above the average when it comes to the uh, types of
1: hotels they stay in. I just say, when you were saying the premium? Is that what the phrase used Upscale. Upscale. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of, you know, the Ritz-Carlton things like that, when you mentioned <laughs> yeah. the Spring Hill as- That's up- luxury. It's one yeah. step above. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> All right.
3: And try, I probably shouldn't have said names there, but that's it's an industry. Yeah. Um, so, average daily rates, looking at that, some of the big takeaways here. Um, Rates at hotels are up. This is a nationwide trend. You're going to see occupancy growing slower than rate across the nation for similar reasons, too. Um, It's a lot of supply added over the last few years. We're actually peaking this year on supply added across the nation. Um, The other part is hoteliers are concentrating on rate, sometimes at the expense of occupancy. Um, and, of course, this is a generalization, but we're hearing this from a lot of our directors of sales, that their ownership is intending to have them focus on getting more money out of their guests rather than more guests. But, of course, they want more guests, too. Um, so January and February, you'll see that we're busy. Um, in fact, you'll see that we're busy, really, the first nine months. But um, some of the particular things to pull out here is uh, just how busy we've been. We've had more conventions here than we've had in a while in terms of this first few months, large conventions. We had the Society of Thoracic Surgeons, Graphics of the Americans, Sea Trade, and then a new first few months of the year. Um, quite frankly, it's never been a more appealing time in terms of things to do to be at uh, the greater Fort Lauderdale-Broward County area than now. But we need, of course, continue to focus on bringing these reasons to bring guests into town.
0: Mr. Geller? Mr. Geller?
1: Thank you. And I've met with uh, Stacy on this, but would like a little more um, elaboration in terms of what actually is bringing people to town. I mean, people that are coming to Fort Lauderdale and would come here with or without a CVB in terms of what y'all are doing to attract people. Is there any specific – I know that Stacey was telling me that the music festivals seem to be things that are attracting people, whether or not the air show, whether or not theater, whether or not museums. I mean, is there – do you have any sort of breakdown or ideas on whats what you're doing that's succeeding, that is attracting people, or other than in general, you know, people come for the beaches – But what works in terms of what you're doing? Sure. There there are easy answers. That
3: conventions are a great example. I mean, Society of Thoracic Surgeons, our salespeople went after that, um, worked with them to bring it here. And that was, you know, 2,000-some folks in town over a course of a week almost. So um, there are examples like that of these large conventions that um, wouldn't have occurred had we not been sending sales folks out to bring them into town. The incremental gain when it comes to, you know, we know people are going to come here for the beaches no matter what. Right. But what's the incremental gain? How many, how many percentage points did we add through our marketing efforts is a question we're working to get you an answer for, okay. probably by the end of this fiscal year, hopefully.
1: Let's have the discussion next year. Thank Great.
3: you. And then uh, I think our last slide here, we got RevPAR. So RevPAR, getting into your terminology, RevPAR is revenue per available room. So this looks at our hotels. We have about 31,400-some-odd uh, hotel rooms in our Broward County that's uh, measured by this um, company. And this looks at all 31,400 rooms and tells you how much revenue you make per each of those rooms, regardless of whether or not there was somebody standing in it or not. Um, the takeaways from this are similar to everything I just said in the last two slides. And this is really a great way to summarize those last two slides in that um, occupancy, while being um, growing, is slower growing than our revenue um, or average rate, excuse me. So what you're seeing here is an increase um, in the available rooms or the uh, revenue per available rooms.
4: questions.
3: All right. Well, I'm going to uh hand it over unless there are further questions to um our uh colleagues in the OMB.
2: I guess to somewhat respond to um the question that you asked. Um so there's a document that is produced by the CBB and we'll make sure that if you don't have a copy of it that you do. And it's really to sort of set the stage for our marketing efforts for FY19. But when they look at some of the um, surveys that they that they've done uh, recently, um, the top four reasons, believe it or not, for people visiting here, beach waterfront, visiting friends and relatives. So vi- visiting friends and friends and relatives, 38%. I mean that's huge. Uh, shopping, as you well know, we have. Um, shopping and um b- growing in um in it in our reputation has a lot to do with culinary dining. Um that's something that we notice is is relatively new um um for us and then and then it sort of goes down um from there but um this is something that I'm going to make sure you get a copy of it and it also helps to shape um the issues that uh, Commissioner Holness raised in terms of having people come with their family and friends. So,
6: all right, I'm gonna turn it over to Jennifer. All right, good morning, Mayor and Commissioners. We're gonna jump into our tourist development tax revenues. So, just as a refresher, we have six tourist development tax pennies that we currently levy. The latest one was levied on January 1st, 2018, and we started receiving those revenue collections in February of this year. So here is a historical overview of our TDT revenue. We can see that in fiscal year 08, we had about $43 million collected in TDT, and it declined 17% due to the recession and took us four years to rebound. After we've rebounded from the pre-recession levels, we have continued to see incremental growth in this revenue source. Our revenue growth starting in fiscal year 18 is primarily attributed to the levy of the six penny, in addition to our vacation rental platforms such as HomeAway, VBRO, and Airbnb. So we are receiving collections from all of those entities now. So some factors for our fiscal year 19 forecast, we have 17% increase over our 17 actuals due to growth in our hotel rooms, vacation rentals, and just overall growth in this revenue source. Another 17% is solely dedicated to the levy of the additional penny. And moving forward into 19 through 23, as you'll see in the following slides, we are assuming 3% revenue growth in the out years. So let's go over some of our recurring revenues and expenditures that support this program. So on here we have the 6 cent TDT. And as we said, we started levying in fiscal year 18. And so fiscal year 19 is the first year that we have the full annualization of this new revenue source. And then we're projecting 3% growth across the four out years. We have lots of activity that will be happening over those four years with some new hotels coming online, with the construction of our new convention center hotel and the expansion of our convention center. Then we have our convention center revenues, that's our second largest revenue source that supports this program. And you'll see that it does decline, and that decline is associated with the construction activity uh, for the expansion of the center and the new hotel. But we are projecting that when the hotel and expansion is completed and comes online in fiscal year 24, that we will begin to rebound back up to around $9 million um, incrementally moving forward. And then other revenues that we have are our sales tax rebate from the state, and we are utilizing some of our fund balance to help pay towards the annual debt service cost of the Convention Center. So moving into our expenditure recurring forecast, we have... Yes. Hold on, Je-
0: Jennifer, uh, Vice Mayor Boeck. What,
5: what is the last 5%?
6: So less 5%, we have a state law that requires us to take 5% off of certain revenue sources, and one of those revenue sources is our TDT revenues. It's a cushion provided by the state, so they say you can budget 100%, take less 5 off, so 95% is your appropriation spending authority. You're welcome. So on our recurring TDT expenditure forecast, We wanted to point out our marketing advertising promotion line item. We are putting 2.5 million additional in fiscal year 19 towards our efforts to market uh, Broward County as a tourist destination. And we're using 3% growth in the out years that's aligned with our forecasted revenue growth. We have our CVB staff and expenditures. We wanted to point out that in fiscal year 19, we're adding three new positions. Uh, Two are group sales managers, and one's a group sales um, administrative assistant to assist in helping sell large groups um, within the county as well as the convention center. Um, They sell three to five years out. So once we're at a certain point in the project, we'll want to get those efforts kicked off so that when it opens, we have... Rooms filled and conferences um, attending.
7: Um, I was just curious if you could uh, explain maybe a little about why the uh, cultural contribution just stays flat.
2: So the <clears throat> when the this. The tax was put in place. That the six hundred thousand was the amount of money, the initial that um, was agreed to, um, and it has remained that um, at that level um, um, since. <laughs> this is a clearly, it's a policy decision of the board that if that changes, it it changes.
7: I, I, I just want to say that I think that there's been a growth in cultural activities in the community. Uh, certainly, recognizing what uh, Commissioner Holness said about the diversity of the community, different cultural events. I, I just would like us to take a look at that, but it's just, I don't stay flat like that and not recognize the fact that we have a lot of, uh, of additional activities going on in the community. Um, I think that needs some support.
1: Commissioner Gill. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and to follow up on that, I had raised this question at a prior budget hearing, but is this 600000 what does that include? Is that just the TDT grant money? That is
2: just the tourist development uh, tax. Okay, because— So you contribute significantly more than that out of your general fund.
1: Okay, because as we had previously discussed, uh, there, I think we were at $1 million for the major grants, is that correct? Yes, okay, and what i appre- and that we i know we had been at that number for many years, and I had previously discussed whether that number could be raised because I know that um when we started that, I think there were five or six groups sharing that, and there's maybe ten or eleven now, so and, and uh, I we- will drop that because it's not a, a it's not a Tourist development tax issue.
2: I got it, but I can but, answer your question. Okay, um, you you did raise that issue, um, and the board was supportive of us uh, increasing the uh, amount of funds for that. So there is an additional half a million that's in the the recommended budget um, that will uh, some portions of it um, um, have been allocated to that major group because we know. That um, you're right there's uh, one uh, for sure that meets the threshold, and then there are a couple others right on its tail, so we'll be uh, circling back with you um, when
1: and if that when that happens Thank you for listening okay commissioner Holders?
4: yes and uh, maybe administrator you may know, but uh, Mr. Corder ought to i'm sorry uh, oh. I read uh previously that there's a trend towards people traveling for cultural experiences uh, as a huge uptick in that. Is that correct?
3: Sorry. Yes. Um, folks are traveling for more than just uh, the stereotypical beach anymore. Okay. They have to have a full-on
4: experience. So, to uh, my colleague uh, Commissioner Rich's point, would in my mind, it would make sense for us to be investing more into helping create more cultural events and enhancing the cultural experience that people have. I believe that if you travel somewhere and you, and you have a rich cultural experience, you want to go back. You want to tell your friends about it. And that could definitely help grow, um, the, the, the number of people who come to visit and, and, and increase their heads and beds. I personally don't think that we do enough from the tourist development piece to support many of these cultural events. And, and a lot of them start off small, uh, like Jazz in the Gardens, which know draw people from all over. When that started, it was very small. Today, it's a huge event that brings people from all over uh, the world to attend it. But if we don't sow that seed and help to encourage these smaller events, they'll never grow uh, because they don't get the support that's necessary for them to be able to grow and develop into a huge event like Jazz in the Garden.
6: Okay. Another recurring expenditure that we have on here is our arena and convention center expansion debt service. I wanted to point out that in fiscal year 19, we are allocating 12 million additional dollars anticipating going out to borrow some of the funds later in the fiscal year and the fiscal year 20 through 23 it has the 12 million dollars for the arena debt service and the 31 million dollars for the convention center expansion debt service this debt service is estimated based on the most current convention center cost estimate for the project And those costs are being finalized over the next few months. And we want to have the best rating possible. So this annual debt service is based on an A- rating. And we need to demonstrate that we have good revenue flow. And we're going to be cash funding the debt service reserve. And on the following slide, you'll see that's equivalent to $31 million. Uh, I also wanted to point out that right now the county cost for collecting the tourist development taxes with records, taxes, treasury is about half a million dollars a year. Uh, there is a constitutional amendment on the ballot that, if we were to uh, were to get approved by the voters, it would switch over to the uh, clerk of the courts, and they would be eligible for up to three percent. Of this revenue source, which is 2.5 million, so currently we collect locally, um, but that um, is out there if it is passed.
0: Mr. Giller,
8: Um, are you
1: sorry? Have you finished the recurring expenditure forecast page? Because I had a question when you were done with that. Yes. Okay. We have added a lot of additional. Expense through the expansion of the convention center. I think I'm trying to remember, I believe that was a unanimous vote. Um, So we're all supportive of that. I just want to ask you as we have put in all of these additional expenses, in your opinion, or maybe this is to Mr. Cordo, is there still sufficient funding to run the core duties of the CVB besides? The conventions themselves i mean is there enough money in the budget right now to attract people here to broward whether it's the cultural that uh, senator rich and commissioner holness was talking about it whether it's the uh, i believe you're talking about the convention sales staff to bring people here uh, i know we do some money for film my opinion not enough but you know on all of these items With the additional expense that we have put on for the convention center, which we all think is necessary, do you have enough money, in your opinion, to properly handle the rest of your functions?
6: So this five-year forecast, it does include, uh, in fiscal year 19, additional funds, um, as you stated, for the additional staff to help sell, as well as some additional funds for marketing, advertising, promotions, and some general... uh, Expenditure growth that we're seeing in some of our utility costs at the existing convention center Um, So currently right now we do have enough funds over the next five years pending the Revenues coming in per the forecast to support our efforts at CVB We're able to grow their group sales and to add some additional funds for marketing advertising promotions
3: it's our belief right now that we do have enough funding. Um, there will be some additions over the next few years, maybe additional staff for well, for sure, additional staff for selling, especially if we move forward with the Convention Center. Um, and then there will be some other occasional ask for money, for example, for research. I know we will be coming back to ask for some money for research. But by and large, um, the feeling is that we are sufficiently funded.
2: So um, because this is a five-year forecast, um, where next year you'll start to see that the numbers uh, would show Um, as uh, these new properties come online, um, there will be renewed efforts to make sure that they are full. So we're taking that into consideration. You don't see any of the the revenue here in this forecast. It shows up in the year in which the facilities come online.
6: Moving into our recurring capital expenditure forecast, we are continuing to put our recurring TDT of $7 million a year towards our beach program. We have about $2 million going to the convention center existing facility. It's about 26 years old, uh, so we have some maintenance projects there. We have our arena operations capital repair contribution per our agreement, so it declines by $2 million every other year. And then we have the... Challenge grant of a million dollars a year, and in fiscal year eighteen, we've set aside the funds we're receiving from the six penny into a reserve to put that towards the convention center expansion, and that wraps up our recurring expenditures for this program. So we're going to move into some details of the capital program. As I previously stated, we have two million budgeted for convention center maintenance and improvement projects. These are the details over the five years of those projects. As you can see, the repair, replacement to keep the facility up and running. Moving into our beach program, we have a funding strategy that we've um, implemented. And we have our beach projects, segment two and three. We do not budget any federal grant funding up front, but we are eligible to receive up to 58% of the project cost. Our last project was segment 3 in 2005 2006 it took us about 12 years to receive the federal grant funds that's why we don't count on this money um, in the budget up front. so it's a collective effort for us to lobby to get the federal funds state grant funding every year through the legislative process we apply through our grants based on the different segments of the project that we're in to receive up to 50 percent of the non-federal share. The county local share, they pay two-thirds, and then our cities with our ILAs for segment two is Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale by the Sea and Pompano, they pay one-third. What's most important here on the segment two and three projects is the county has to pay all the cash up front, and we wait for reimbursement from the state. After project milestones are completed, as well as the city ILAs, how they're written is after the project is completed, they have one-year gap, and then they repay us over a three-year period. (coughs) The sand bypass project, uh, right now there's no federal grant um, eligibility. So we're applying for up to 75% of cost share from the state, and then the county will pick up the... 25 uh, percent and we do have a contribution from port everglades uh, budgeted for this project so here are our beach capital appropriations over the next five years as you can see our focus is putting the remaining beach construction dollars for segment three segment three is uh daniel beach hollywood beach hallandale beach and we're Rebudgeting the post-storm survey. After Irma, we went out, we did a pre and a post, and that allows us to be 100% eligible for uh, federal grants from the hurricane. Then we have some beach program support, and we're continuing budgeting beach monitoring. because we know, construction was completed on segment two about a year ago. So here are our total project costs, and as you can see from last year, they continue to grow. So our segment two is about sixty-one million, Sam Bypass is around 40, and segment three is around 58. So here are our revenues that support this program. So we have city reimbursements from segment two. This is the third year of the three-year revenue that we're counting on. So for segment two, we're counting about 14 million from those cities. And we have received about 5.3 million. In state grant for the sand bypass project from this last legislative session. And we're counting on about 16 million in city reimbursements for segment three, and then our 7 million recurring TDT revenue.
0: Can I go back to for a second, back to the uh, beach capital on page 19?
2: Page 19? Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, It's talking about city reimbursement for sand bypass. Which city is is paying? Beach Capital Revenues.
6: Okay. So the city reimbursement for sand bypass dredging, this is after the sand trap is constructed. It will take approximately three years to fill up with some sand quality. We'll dredge it out. And then based on the prioritization of who needs it the most in terms of who has the most severe erosion, it will be determined at that point in time, which city will participate in those operation costs to where they would pay a third and we would pay two thirds. Um, so we know segment three has the most severe right. erosion. We are paying for 100% of the capital project, which is about 40 million. And then we'll venture in to create the ILAs for the dredging, the operations of the uh, sand trap. I mean, I'm asking I,
0: I, I don't know if the cities and maybe Mr. Ryan would know on this as well, if the cities or have prepared for this, they, because they probably don't know about this.
6: I I believe that they're aware of our segment two and three ILA that part, contribution. That part, absolutely. And, but, um, not, but not on the bike. We would have to follow up to see if there has been conversation with the cities yet, mm-hmm. in terms of the operations of the dredging from the sand trap.
0: Yeah, and and I'm actually surprised that that's not just done by the port. Um, it would seem that would be. A port expense as opposed to a. Uh, that's just, you know, that's kind of the way I would think that that would go. But I don't, I doubt if the cities are, the cities usually put stuff away, you know, money away for that, but I don't think they know about it. Mr. Geller.
1: I just brief, ironic comment. I remember campaigning on the, on the sand bypass when I ran for the House in 1988 that that was an issue, and I'm glad now only 31 or 32 years later it's finally starting going to happen.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, that's all. Yeah. But I, I do think we probably want to, that maybe, we may want to look at that okay. as a port.
6: Yes, port as the as project progresses, um, when we oh. get through all of the design and have all the permits to actually start the construction, uh, those conversations will start at that point in time. Okay, all right, thank you welcome. So in fiscal year 19, we have some reserves, and they're funded by our forecasted fund balance. These are one-time dollars that we have identified in the budget to be used for a one-time purpose. So we have our debt service for the arena, $4 million. We have CVB and convention center reserves of one-time funding for market fluctuations and for any Changes in our revenue forecast. And then in fiscal 19, we're introducing our cash funded debt service reserve for the convention center expansion, which will be a requirement of the bond and will ensure that we get a good bond rating. So we have lots of needs competing for tourist development taxes. Some of those needs are our convention center expansion debt service cost operating subsidy, bypass road, additional marketing, and cost increases to beach nourishment Over the next couple slides, I'll go into some of those details. On our convention center expansion, currently we're in the planning design stage of the project. We are encumbered for design of about 11 million with Matthew Matthew Southwest. We have about 20 million of cash available to put towards the pay-as-you-go portion of this project. We're going to be working over the next few months of finalizing these project costs. Um, as stated earlier, we'll need the $31 million in the cash reserve, in addition to $31 million for the annual debt service estimated to start in fiscal year 20. These projected debt service amounts does not include the bypass road estimated project cost of $35 million. so the county is moving forward in pursuing FDOT grants to offset the cost of these projects. Here's our historical CVB marketing advertising promotions. We have the actuals of fiscal year 09 through fiscal year 17. We have a modified 18 budget of 20.4 million. This includes 3.1 million that was approved in the FY18 first supplemental budget. And in fiscal year 19, we have 19.8 million for marketing and advertising promotions. It's a 2.5 million increase over the FY18 adopted amount of 17.3. So we were able per this forecast to add some growth in this area. And then we have a history of our beach nourishment total project cost. Um, from 1970 through 2021, you can see that there is tremendous significant growth associated with these projects. And that wraps up the TDT presentation.
0: I'm going to have Chip go first because he's going to have to leave in one minute. Chip, can, uh, Commissioner Marco. Th-
8: thank you, Mayor. You're welcome. I we'll still go by Chip, so thank you. Um, <laughs> number one, I wanted to thank the TDC folks, uh, Anthony, for his uh, early, early uh, Heavy workload. He's been doing quite a bit over there, and I, it's been an honor for me to serve as chair of the TDC and work with my friends in the number one industry of our our community, which is uh, hospitality and tour. Update y'all on if I could. Our TDC meeting we had exactly quorum last uh, two weeks ago, and unfortunately, at the very end, uh, when we had one of the most important presentations from our. One of our biggest industries in South Florida in the marine industry, uh, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale had to leave and caused us to not necessarily be able to make a make a recommendation by vote, by voice vote. But uh, the uh, the lean was there and we all spoke in favor of this as so a couple of things. I just want to make sure you're aware of that were not in Stacy's budget, but uh, would be coming to us on a uh, advisory uh, advisory position, and one was the uh, the Fort Lauderdale Show, which has been to us a, a few years uh, in a row for additional dollars, and usually that gets worked out in her budget, but uh, in this year, uh, they do have the Blue Angels, which is a multi-year out a commitment, so there has to be some type of mechanism. I understand you can't do multi-year budgets, but there has to be some type of commitment uh, with with revenues at least in her budget uh, for us to be able to keep that show going and make a commitment and for the county to Through TDC or county dollars to have that event um, And with those commitments with the military uh, the second one was the South Beach food and wine festival We spoke about that uh, the commitment isn't uh, Isn't incredibly uh, high and and the uh, events uh, should increase here in Broward County and hotels from Hollywood up to Fort Lauderdale the boat show and them coming to us with their new promoters or new owners. Excuse me. Um, and I believe either Kelly Skidmore or Mabel should be able to have a, uh, a sheet passed out to you all. It's the it highlights, the marketing that they want to do. They want to bring um, uh, major, major media in to do uh, a junior morning show or a day show there. And uh, also continue doing uh, marketing through uh, Dusseldorf, the Dubai Yacht Show, Singapore Yacht Show, Pebble Beach, a lot of other outside entities So, uh, to bring them in for our event. So that was a that was a very positive conversation we had. We just... I wanted to certainly put my support, 100% support, into it. Um, they have actually re-modified remodif- their marketing uh, budget and request, and it's completely different than uh, about half of what they pitched to us, and I know that they're going to be reaching out to both the city and other entities as well. So that's just uh, kind of my report and my support behind uh, the Fort Lauderdale National Boat Show for us to be able to do something to keep that uh, major economic engine here.
0: Anything else? Is that it? That's it. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Udine.
9: This was a question about one of the previous slides. About the convention center debt service have we finalized how we're gonna finance that project as far as us owning it or financing it I know we were talking two different tracks are we I guess either way this we have to have this in the debt service reserve to begin with
2: so um, since this is all about the TDC um, this is all tourist development taxes so the hotel doesn't come into play here, and so the only real revenue source to support an expansion of the convention center would be TDT a separate and distinct conversation about the debt service for the hotel um, is where we were having the conversation about does it make sense for us to do that ourselves because of our cost of money versus others and um, we're not ready to i mean we we believe that it makes sense for us to own, not operate, um, because of cost of money. Um, but when, when we get ready to have that conversation in earnest, um, we'll, we'll be back with you. This is something that, uh, outside of these dollars, but more importantly, um, we're engaged with the rating agencies on, on those issues to make sure that we, um, that we move forward cautiously but get the best rates that we can get.
0: Anyone else? Okay. Okay. Are you needing recommendations at this point? Or so, what, are we uh, need- what are we needing?
2: So r- right now, um, as um, Commissioner LaMarca indicated, um, there were some issues that came up um, after um, the TDC lost a quorum. The right. process um, is that uh, we take the recommended budget for the t- tourist development program to the TDC to get their to get their feedback and their comments uh, so that we can share that with you um, at when when we're here together um, the uh, uh, those issues the air show um, you guys had a debate about that last uh, I guess it's this year and that's something that we're um, uh, I know the the one of the promoters of that program has reached out. We're trying to get the data that we need to, to confirm and affirm that um, you know this is something that that we are um, we're prepared to, to recommend uh, to you and what level okay. Um, the uh, South Beach uh, Food and Wine Food and Wine. Food and wine um, there was some debate about that, but you know, as it relates to um, the actual benefit to Broward County, um, and and I suspect that we will um, be bringing a recommendation to uh, um, um, recommend that we continue it, but we change some of the parameters. Okay. We feel like that if we're going to sponsor it, you know, there needs to be a lot more emphasis on Fort Lauderdale versus South Beach, Right. and the boat show is huge. Um, they, um, they, they came in with a significant uh, increase, which we, at this point, there's been no evaluation, no vetting, uh, and we would, uh, we would need to do that um, because ultimately it comes from um, this budget that. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, CVB has in place, and so it's just a matter of priorities where where um, um, we would want to spend uh, those those excess dollars.
0: And a lot of the, and a lot of I'm looking at the boat show right now, and I'm looking at a lot of it would be co-branded. So wouldn't wouldn't a lot of this be able to be incorporated into? I mean, we're adding what was it, two point five into our marketing this year two point five million so
2: there's a you there's can, no way to kind of you into you this. Um, absolutely um, but I would um, also remind the board that one of the one of the reasons we are moving forward with the what we would have otherwise deemed the phase two expansion of the Convention center we're doing it now so that we can support these types of, of um, Conventions and exhibitions because we wouldn't uh, necessarily on where they would like to draw we 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 would struggle to be able to accommodate a lot of that with given some of the deficits so part of our excess capacity is clearly going to be used to pay the debt service on this expanded convention center so um, again we will uh, will will evaluate it we'll look at. Um, we'll look at it in its um, in its totality, and ultimately bring a recommendation back uh, to this board. It clearly, their ask would be one that you all would have to approve anyway. So it'll come back to you okay. um, with with the staff recommendation.
5: Vice Mayor Bogan, uh, just since we were, for some reason this was handed to us,
0: <laughs> I this is from the TDC. They're, they're
5: okay. No, this I, was not. Are, Okay, are, are, they, are they seeking $940,000? Is that, they're seeking the total amount? Is that their total, what they're seeking? Uh,
2: because I have not seen this document, um, uh, it's, I, I can't answer that right who, now. Who, who, who What was
5: discussed at the TDC was, I think, $2 million. Can, can I ask who, who authorized to hand this to us?
2: Um, it's, this is from okay, Chip. Can, oh, this
5: is from Chip. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was wondering who's distributing this to us. Okay, I just, you know, so they're seeking nine hundred forty thousand dollars. I, I just think that's an outrageous I, amount of money. Uh, but
2: oh. I, I really can't say, I, we, I don't know what they're asking based on this document. Okay. okay. One
9: quick,
10: question? one quick question. Sure.
0: On, on segment three. Um, the The amount is fifty eight million, correct? And w- when yes. segment three is scheduled to be started in 2020 or 2019?
6: We're looking towards uh, 2020 right now. Uh, okay. the project timeline uh, subject to change um, really dependent on getting all the permits in place. but we will have the cash, to put out 100% of it by the time all the permits are ready and we're ready for construction.
0: Okay. And the and we're paying for I know we've been paying it for it year by year by year. Are we does by by 2020 is all of it paid for or do we have to keep or do we keep setting aside the 7 million a year for the next Three years to help pay for that.
2: So the seven million that we're setting aside isn't for the segment three project. Oh. that seven million is to allow us to have um, what we have referred to as hotspot uh, remediation of the beaches. Okay. So we don't get to a point where there's a major right. um, problem that we have some funding available that as the beach erodes we can immediately go and address that we were not able to do that in the past because of the way that the permits were issued okay. um, the permits the way that we're seeking them now um, would give us the ability to do that so in order to make sure that each year we're able to go in and deal with those hot spots there is a level of funding that we've put in place to do that so we're
0: setting so we're setting aside a certain amount of money to do for hot segment spots. three well, how about for, for segment, segment
2: three? three yes
0: how, so, my question is, how much are we setting aside for segment three?
6: 50, 58 million. We, we have to budget the whole amount up front. We pay the cash out the door, and then we seek the reimbursements through the state, the feds, and the cities.
0: So, my question is, by 2020, do we have all that money ready yes. to go? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, and, and so, there is another, in 20, so there's another 7 million is what you're saying, set aside for hotspots. Correct. Correct. Right there. Okay, and I'm asking that for a particular reason. Um, there is uh, a, a number of groups looking at uh, either trying to do grants for, or, numer- however, ways to look at the coral reef and to try to intervene uh, on an emergency situation. I don't know. I don't know what that ask is yet, but I know that they're talking through the, uh, the coral reef, the National Coral Reef. I, I, I say that just so everybody's. Kind of aware of that uh, hopefully I mean we're the money we're trying to get we need to try to get on the federal level and on the state level but there is a um, a push to do immediate emergency action there because they expect they're they're expecting unfortunately dire circum- dire consequences in the next year or so so I, w- I just want to throw that out in case we need to they're collecting tissue samples and everything just to preserve them at this point um, because they they are actually expecting so much of it to die off, so I want us to be thinking of that if in case we can 't intervene quick or get money from beds or state, we may want to step in so i 'm just throwing that out there for the time being okay yes I
9: want to follow up to vice mayor bogan 's question so are you going to be bringing us back a full report on the boat show ask and what we need to do in the future? And if you do that, can we can we be presented with the delta on all these these things? Like nine hundred and forty thousand dollar or million dollar additional grant from the county, there's gotta be some difference, not just it, it produces X number of heads and beds. It's gonna do that anyway with what they've been it's already the largest indoor boat show in the world. Just some kind of the delta numbers that we can see that the ask that they're making, what the additional benefit to the county is so it's so we can evaluate it that way? Uh,
2: we, uh, yes, we, we, will, we will want to do that um, because ultimately um, if this additional program is prioritized, it's going to come at the expense of something. So we would want to make sure that um, we have that balance when we're looking at it and we make a recommendation to you.
0: Okay, anything else on first development taxes? Okay. Okay. On to water and wastewater.
2: All Give us a minute. Okay. And switch out. Kicking me out? Yes, I'm kicking you out. Thank you.
0: Thank <laughs> you, Anthony. Thank you. Good job.
2: <laughs> I think
3: they're good exciting. Job. Right. Good job. You did <laughs> okay. kind good. Of the world
2: Where did my water waste work go? Oh, right here. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to turn this over to um, Alan Garcia. Uh, water, wastewater, FY19 budget, and our forecast. All yours, Alan. <laughs> can you? Uh, I was going to say, need to get that button. I don't
11: know, can you hear? Oh, there's yep. that's better. Okay. Um, thank you, Bertha. Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, it is my pleasure once again to present the um, fiscal year 19 operating budget. And five-year capital program for water and waste water services. So we'll start off with the uh, capital program. We have three program elements uh, that continue to drive our capital program. They are system reliability, quality and sustainability, septic tank elimination and regul- regulatory rule impacts. Okay, so our system uh, reliability, quality, and sustainability. System reliability is critical to providing a high level of service to our customers. In addition to system reliability, maintaining the quality of water and the treatment of wastewater are targets that are addressed by a proactive approach to capital project planning. Finally, maintaining the sustainability of our system resources, whether it be the sustainability of our raw water supply, or the sustainability of our affluent disposal and treatment options are critical to the long term future of our utility. So let's take a look at water service reliability. We, we broke some numbers down as far as um, the amount of water main breaks that we've had and how that affects our customers, how many customers that uh, that affects. Um, in the past year, we had uh, 54 boil water events. 15 were caused by contractors damaging pipes 10 were scheduled maintenance and 29 were due to pipe failures (coughs) these breaks affected about eight percent of our customers now i will tell you this when i first started doing this presentation it affected one percent of our customers unfortunately we had a rather large break in our 1b1 service area that drove that number up but we really had as far as the metric goes a very very low amount of our customers that are impacted by Uh, these water main breaks. Um, About average event was about 10 customers. With the large event, it went up, the average went up to about 80 customers per event. Um, And we typically have the water clear, test it, and lift the boil water notice within 48 hours. Septic tank elimination. According to data provided to us by uh, the Environmental Protection and Growth Management Department, there are 51,509 septic tanks throughout the county, parcels that are still on septic tank. Uh, In our service areas, we have 2,611 septic tanks that remain, um, that have not been switched over to uh, gravity sewer. That represents about 4.5% of our total customer base. And, and also, it's about 5% of the countywide amount of parcels that are still on septic tank. Since 2001, mostly through our neighborhood uh, projects, we've eliminated 16,089 septic tanks. Um, we currently have design and construction underway for eliminating another additional 289 septic tanks. We anticipate. Most of our septic tank eliminations will be done by 2024.
2: Before you move on, um, I just wanted to make sure we, we pause for a second. Um, at, our, um, at our last workshop, um, there was discussion about, um, in, in the broader conversation about the total number uh, of, of our uh, residents that are still on um, septic tank. So we took the, the chart that you have you can see it better in color uh, so that you could see wherever you see the yellow uh area is where um those are the areas that um are still on septic. So you can see that a large portion of the county is on potable water and 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 they're not they're on sewers. Um, but you still have a large segment of of residents in Broward County that are still on septic, and the concern. It's just I just wanted to raise this. You have um, a, a request that the county participate um, in uh, one of the communities that they um, they have a I guess it's a challenge grant uh, a, a request. Um, Uh, to do that and and I just wanted to make sure that you see the magnitude of that we'll come back and we'll bring you specific recommendations on that but um, again um, there's been a concerted effort on our part at the direction of this board for our service area to eliminate um, septics and we've been on that March um, ever since uh, we're getting close to the finish line. Um, and the what's remaining obviously will be the most difficult, the most expensive um, because of the, but um, I, I think that as you can see, just about uh, around a little less than 5% of our customer base um, is um, still on septic and um, and we have a plan to, to eliminate them.
0: Okay. Commissioner Gillard.
1: As I recall, that uh, when it says the Broward County Water Wastewater experience and our customer base, uh, we do both the municipal service district and some of the uh, other areas, the, the municipalities. Correct?
11: Not all of the municipal service no. districts. Okay. We do uh, Broadview Park right. and um, up in Hillsborough Pines. That's that's the that's the two municipal service districts that we provide. Uh, retail water and wastewater service for. The other ones are done by whatever cities are typically In adjacent In addition to, them. to
1: that, uh, my understanding is we're also doing some municipal. Yes, yes. Is there a map here? I've seen it before from from Dr. Varado at the Water Advisory Board, but is there a map here showing what is, because when we're, you're talking about the 54 boil water events and the Broward County Custom Base, is there a map here that shows exactly what that base is?
11: Yes, we do. The next couple of slides will show you what the we have. What we call our it's four distinct uh, service districts. Districts one A, which is down in the Lauderdale, Lauderdale, Hill, Lauderdale Lakes area. Uh, District two, which is up in Pompano Deerfield Beach, um, and then three A is Dania Hollywood, and three B C is West Park Pembroke Pines and. Um, parts okay. of miramar and parts of hollywood so you don't, you'll you see don't
1: have a county map like this that shows which areas i don't in, have it on the slide your, presentation I, but we it, can I've provide it before yes
2: we okay, haven't thanks. and we'll we'll, we'll okay. give you that
6: yeah.
0: okay mr rich
7: i have been i've been looking through these and I, i'm just wondering if any of this shows what correlation uh or what areas might be most impacted in terms of sea level rise and saltwater intrusion and is that a way to look at where we have to go first? I,
11: I would defer that to EPGM since they they have the overall information on countywide and, and tied in. You, yeah,
7: you need to tie in with them because I know Dr. Arado has that and, and the information is available.
2: And so. and and because there's we have so little areas left, uh, we're just trying to get ours done because if the the um, if if we're at about 95 percent where we're in sewer, um, our focus is on that remaining 5 um, percent, um, and we pretty much know where they are. And there's plans um, to to get to get to all of them. But as it relates to some of the other municipal, some of these other areas, that is good data for them to have, and and we're happy to share it. And we're participating in in doing. Uh, those analysis as well. But we do cons- um, consult our own agency as we're getting ready to do work in, in our service area. So we're not doing it outside, outside of, of that.
9: Okay,
0: Thank you. Commissioner Udine.
9: So following on that and kind of reading between the lines of what you're saying, and it's, and it's, it's pretty obvious to me we're not going to start looking at giving grants out to municipalities until we finish what we need to do that's under our millage budget power. I mean, that's the way I think about it. I, I mean saw that's over there. <laughs> so I think that if we're going to be provided with more information, as was mentioned at the last workshop in the future, there should also be something that should say to us, if you don't do that and you instead took all those dollars that you were going to grant out to someone else and use them in-house on what we're working on here how much quicker does that and how many we should see how many properties we get done quicker or through the 2024 or something that seems so obvious to me we we should have backup
2: so we it's a t- just a little bit of a twist on that yeah. um, when we have um, the this sewer Uh, program that we have is out of our water and wastewater uh, program Um, years ago we started tracking where our rates ranked compared to the other uh, systems in in the county and we were you know we were right up there in the top third and our goal was to with our efficiencies and and the like and we know that one of the reasons we were up there so high because we began this program, and it you know it had a major impact on the rates so we are um, we're at a point now, and you'll see that shortly where we're sort of pushing towards the bottom and we're almost done with the major work that we need to do except where you'll see there's some some capital programs um, in place. I think what the um, the question that was asked of the board. Was whether or not we would consider using general fund millage to help these municipal water systems to uh, eliminate um, the the, um, the su- uh, septic's in the uh, in the other communities, mm-hmm. and that um, and that's where you know we will be coming back with you just to make sure that you understand the implications of doing that because um, if you I were, to- I thank you.
4: Commissioner Hollis. So, so in essence, the supplier of the water and sewer to that area that have a septic tank should do the investment that we did. And and yes, it's going to cost a little bit more in a rate, but in the long run it will take care of that issue. Rather than us taking general funds, and and, I, and, I, and it's a challenge for us, in my mind, to then select a certain community to take general funds to invest in uh, and and not some others it, it's I think it's problematic
0: Alan I have two questions real quick okay. um, th- is there, is there any issue at all with reserve capacity
11: uh, there there's not for us I, I I can't speak on the other utilities like Hollywood Sunrise Fort Lauderdale but for us for us and any of the utilities which if you look at the map there's not as many up in the north end of the county which is really where our customers for the north regional wastewater treatment plant come from but there's not for us but i i, I don't know you know i don't know it, where everybody else is with their reserve capacity whether or not there is any issues as far as needing a uh, plant expansion to to convert these i think the driving force more so is just the cost to, to put the uh gravity sewer in
0: yeah and is there a way that you could ask the other utilities is that you all have your friendly community where you could do that
11: yeah i mean we, we can, yeah
6: we we, we, up, we have
11: that data we can look at it we can at least see what kind of reserve capacity you know that that you know is out there to see you know does anybody have issues that they can't convert to septic tanks because of the fact that you know they're 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 constrained by the uh, treatment capacity
0: yeah and if you could get back because when i look at hollywoods which is like And I know they're 50 or 60% on septic tank. Um, I don't know if they have the reserve capacity without uh, expanding their system, but I would love to. We we can reach out to them. Okay. The second issue I have is, and this has been in the news quite a bit lately, unfortunately, is having to do with our biosolids and our Class B. And whether or not Okeechobee is going to let us keep sending stuff up there or not. And do we have a plan to go toward... Either Class A or Double A, and the or, or and sh- or should we start I, thinking that way and start putting money aside for that?
11: I, I think I, I'll say this, Mayor. It's definitely on our radar. Okay. Um, right now, um, there are three three spots. We use H um, and H sludge and waste hauling, uh, and they're the ones that take it up to land farm. They had three spots that they take our or can take our. Uh, Biosolids too. One of the ones is the one that made the news up in the right. Treasure Coast, right. uh, Presley Farms, and they've voluntarily agreed to not dispose of there for the next six months. But they do have other capacity to do, and, and they've, they've held their rates. But we continue to discuss with waste management opportunities, and also still looking at, um, you know, the potential to go to Class A. Also, we're also looking to trying to. Get biosolids that are drier. You know, right. go through centrifuge processes where we dry it, and so so you're saving on the weight and the water content.
0: Would it would it be possible to have a some kind of? I know that's it's crazy expensive, right? I know that's what. No, you're, I
2: mean, I, or just the whole just
0: the whole the, the whole subject. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the whole. But subject. I will
11: tell you this, mayor: there, the state has put together a task force to address that. Um, we nominated our operations director they ended up taking somebody out of uh, out of Orlando but the president of H&H is on the the, the committee and it's made up of environmentalists utility operators uh, sludge haulers and so we'll see what comes out of that the recommendations from that committee so the state has jumped on that and they are looking at you know coming up with some best practice recommendations and other uh, you know scrutiny of the of the process now
0: I mean, I, I was kind of amazed, and it, I don't know if you all saw that article, but 90 percent of the sludge was from Broward County yes. that they were looking at was potentially looting those waterways and co- having some, you know, effect on Caloosahatchee and uh, everywhere else. And so I don't think we want to be doing that. If we, you know, if there's a way of looking, you know, trying to find a better way to do that, I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to do that. So and at I, some point,
2: Alan you know. may be able to remind me. But uh, a couple of years ago, Alan, we talked about um, potentially having all of the. This is going to be an issue for all the utilities. It's oh, yeah. not just a power not just issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at least in um, within our county, if not uh, something regional, we're going. If you could invest in a if if all the utilities invest. In a facility that mm-hmm. would allow us to do that, then right. it's probably less onerous on any one different utility. Um, but we we have to do it as a region, or we're just you know right. one entity pulling out and trying to do something different, and others keep flooding to to take up that capacity that the, the other one left is is not going to get us anywhere. So it might be something yeah. that um, if at an elected level that can be pushed, I think that would. Well, I think that before will we help could us do all.
0: Yeah, but before we could do that, we would ne- need to know what we're talking mm-hmm. about a, l- mm-hmm. a little bit. So it'd be you know, it would be good to know what those options are. I mean, I've seen some of the options like from Senegro mm-hmm. and what they're doing in Tampa and Pinellas and Collier County. Um uh, but you know, those are I guess those are regional systems. Um uh, but you know, we don't we haven't seen any options. We're just kind of okay. going along doing our class B thing. Uh so if, if you could pre- pre- at least show us some other options sure. and then maybe show us what that what okay. the timeline expense the whole bit would be like Okay, and we could then we can talk intelligently about it. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you
11: Okay, so now let's let's take a look at uh, our specific service areas and the uh, the makeup of the 2600 remaining um, septic tanks that we need to eliminate this is a uh map of our district one service area you can see the green represents future projects the yellow are actual active projects we have um, underway whether in their design phase um, uh, or construction phase you can see in district one we don't have a lot there are just a handful of very very small areas and and like one of the commissioners said that's that's where it can be problematic you know picking up the street that has two unsewered parcels can be problematic, can be costly, um, you know. But you know, you can see we, we're we're in good shape in District One. District Two, pretty much the same way. the The, the biggest areas really are there's a, a quarter along Powerline Road, which is just you know across the street from our plant. That uh, they were industrials, industrial properties, and and they're on septic tanks. Some some small you know other little minor minor areas um but still not a tremendous amount of uh of of septic tanks in district two now going down to district 3a in the dania hollywood area you can see there are there are bigger pockets okay but we have projects all the like i said all the the gold circles are all active projects to eliminate so we've got a good um handle on those we know where the other little ones are that we're going to have to pick up um but really, finally, the lion's share is down in the 3BC area. This, this area in pink, which encompasses Perry Airport, parts of Pembroke Pines, parts of Hollywood. Um, we are com- finishing up a uh, basis of design report for that. And once that is done, we'll be setting the actual timeline for the um, capital project. And, and I think right now, the... the, the the date is somewhere at 2021 that we anticipate getting the sewer in there, um, but that's the big—that's the big lion share of the 2,600 uh, septic tanks that we have. And like Bertha said, once once we're done with that, you know, we will be done with our system.
0: Bogan says it should come out of my office budget. it's mostly his district. Question.
1: Commissioner Geller, thank you. I can go back to three A. Um, I think the yellow. If I'm correct, or it may not be. Is any of this in the Seminole Reservation?
11: Uh no. Oh.
8: No?
1: Okay. So n- none of that in 3A is on the Seminoles. Okay. No. Just going to say because we don't really have right. any jurisdiction on that. Yeah.
8: Thanks.
11: And, and 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 Commissioner, I don't know um on that big map, there there may be some areas of of the Seminole Reservation, but You know that's outside of our service area and and something that you know we don't control okay just real quickly we'll go through this because you guys have seen this over the last um, couple years Um, regulatory real impacts our inability to continue to get an endless supply of Biscayne uh, aquifer water led us to look into alternative water supply sources whether it was the Florida aquifer the c51 and as you're all aware you know we opted to go with the c51 for our al- alternative water supply needs um to give you just a quick update on where we are with that we received a letter from um, uh the uh, palm, Be- palm beach aggregates back in july right now we have an executed copy you guys approved a, 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 a agreement with them a year ago to purchase six million gallons Sunrise executed an agreement with them to purchase 5 million gallons. Um, Hallandale Beach has a 1 million gallon allocation approved, but they have not signed the agreement yet. And Dania Beach has a 1 million gallon um, per day allocation approved. So right now we're up to 13 million gallons. The target for uh, Palm Beach aggregates was they wanted 90% committed, commitments of the first 35 million, ga- uh, 35 million gallon uh, per day storage capacity, okay? They didn't meet that by, by June. But between financing um, and, and really it's gained traction, there's some funding they're gonna be getting, they have agreed to waive that timeline and still proceed down the path. So they're looking right now at closing on some uh, uh, construction financing somewhere in the early part of uh, calendar year 2019.
5: Vice oh, Mayor Bogan. Uh, my understanding is, um, while the C-51 is, is a great project, it's meaningless right now because they can't get the funding to move forward. Is that incorrect or is that correct? Well, I mean,
11: it's, it, right now they've, they've, they've not gotten their 90% commitment yet, even though it has gotten traction and it's gone up from, you know, a year ago. We were the only ones that, have, that bought into it. Um,
5: so so and, instead of, you said we've been talking for years. What do we do go from talking to getting it where it's not talking anymore? It's all about money, right? And if we talk to anything in our budget to address this, I, I think the answer is no.
2: Are, are the money for Broward County, um, we budget it. I mean, no, so but, it's not. but
5: I'm talking about, uh, we could budget it, but it still doesn't. It, C51 will not be uh, providing what they need to provide until it's financed, correct? Correct. Yes. Uh, but oh, I think what but, 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 but saying on getting
1: the commitments from other governments. We, we don't
5: cities. have commitments. We don't have the necessary commitments to move forward on C fifty one, and so since this is probably one of the most important things regarding sea level rise, uh, as even Commissioner Rich brought up earlier, I mean, I don't. I think we need to find some alternative solution. Uh, otherwise, right. if nobody continue, funds this besides us. It's just going to drag on next year, next year, next year, correct? Well, Vice President, what, 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 what
11: I will say is one of the other elements that has now come up into this project is just the storage capacity, where it used to be looked at as a water supply and we, you know, get all the utilities in the water supply. Now they're also looking at the benefits of it as for storage capacity. So it's that much less water that will go out through the Indian River Lagoon. Um, or the Lake Worth Lagoon, um, and and to try to eliminate some of those issues with, with the algae that, that gets discharged whenever they have to um, drain down Lake Okeechobee. So they're, they've, they've started looking at it as, hey, there's other benefits other than water supply. There are storage capacity benefits.
5: No, uh, there's wonderful benefits with C-51. We keep talking about the benefits, but it's not going to do anything, the operational, for us until it's fully funded or, correct yes okay how are we going to do that if if nobody's going to participate or very few are going to participate besides our county what are we going to do uh, are, are we just going to wait 10 years or 15 years or how long are we going to wait till we decide that maybe we should maybe undertake that funding and then uh, or do something we need to do something otherwise the c51
10: is not going to be available
0: Commissioner Ryan is dying to jump in here Go ahead. <laughs>
10: So the C-51 Reservoir, it's both, as you say, it's got the environmental impacts and it's also the water supply. Uh, I know that you have been with me before the uh, South Florida Water Management District on three occasions to discuss this issue. And uh, I believe that the Water Management District is going to offer their expertise, but not the funding. So we have received some funding already from, from Tallahassee, but we're asking for a much larger number. And I believe the way um, it would be put together is that it would be a loan or grant from the state of Florida to be paid back based upon uh, the additional water that you know that um, is available to Broward County. And it's simply, as you know, it's just water that flows into the canals, and based upon however the um, the measurements are made, that it increases our consumptive use above that 2006 level and I know we have dr. Arado here if you'll come up you can kind of let us know where we're at as far as uh, our efforts in Tallahassee to get some of this funding
12: well thank you I'm Jennifer director director of environmental planning and community resilience division I would just go ahead and and like to clarify that in addition to Broward County's participation, the City of Sunrise and Dania Beach have also signed their allocation agreements. And Hallandale Beach is currently considering an agreement that would bring the total participation to 13 MGD, or million gallons per day, of the 35 million gallon per day phase one capacity. I also understand that Palm Beach Aggregates, their board of directors, is um, actively considering moving forward with the 13 MGD commitment while negotiations continue to take place with the um, uh, Miami Dade County, with the estimation that their participation would bring uh, full commitments to the 35 MGD that would be available with the Phase One, um, the, the the bridge financing the, it was about I think 30 31 million dollars that came from the state legislature would be is 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 a solicitation by Palm Beach Aggregate, so it allows them to meet the cost difference on. Uh, in advancing that project in um, in an accelerated manner. I believe the uh, remaining request, though, really pertains to phase two development of the reservoir. And that phase two development is a larger capacity, though, that would probably be managed for environmental purposes. And the estimation is that, if phase two advances, um, perhaps the South Florida Water Management District would be the primary stakeholder. And this would allow them to meet obligations relating to water quality storage and treatment throughout the entire system with the phase two component being managed as part of the broader regional Everglades system. Possibly water supply, but most probably uh, environmental purposes. And so the South Florida Water Management District currently has a consultant that's been contracted to um, provide a report to the um, governing board regarding those environmental objectives and the district's interest in being a phase two uh, partner.
10: Right, so the C-51 reservoir is actually two uh, large rock pits, and the, the second one, which I believe what you're talking about, is the much more expensive expansion. It's like $250 million just for site development.
12: It is a single reservoir managed in different cells. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the one reservoir has 150 million gallons per day in capacity. Phase one is 35 MGD. Phase two would then be the 115 MGD. And you're correct. Phase one um, total construction is 161 million. And then the phase two construction was on the order of 260, I believe you're correct.
10: And, and we can expect in campaign season that we're going to hear a lot about the, um, you know, the algae blooms and all the other problems because um, the water is uh, is being sent out untreated, you know, to the Clusa and the St. Lucie rivers. So um, now might be a good opportunity for us to put our lobbying team together uh, up in Tallahassee and and see if we can move off the mark with. Uh, I, I believe Tallahassee, was was it a grant or a loan that they were going to advance a significant amount of money um, to give some assurances to Palm Beach aggregates?
12: The, the state legislature had allocated, I believe this is the, the legislation from two years ago, which was the 30000000 uh million short-term bridge financing because the project was uneligible for funding through the state re- revolving loan fund. So as it was historically constructed, those okay, so criteria. I just, I
10: just thought there was an effort to get increased funding from Tallahassee that that $31 million was not the end.
5: Wait, yeah, can I just ask you, uh, you're saying phase one is being funded, fully funded?
12: And the total project cost for phase one was $161 million. The um, 35 million gallons per day in capacity for phase one, they were looking at being able to meet you know, an 80% threshold or something to that effect. In, in the absence of having all of those commitments in place, there had been a request for some portion of project financing that would be repaid by partners who came into the project later. And this would insulate the early participants from the interest costs that would otherwise be accrued with this bridge financing at this low low interest rate. So what's in place today is this commitment from commitment from the state legislature to participate financially with the 30 million gallon or excuse me 3 million dollars the commitments of Broward, Sunrise, Dania Beach and we anticipate Hallandale those monies coming together at at about you know $4 per 4 million per capita gallon. And or and then and, and, and those funds together are estimated we believe that the Palm Beach aggregates will be poised to move forward with that project while final negotiations is happening with Miami Dade. Partners who came come in after um, initial um, commitments may participate at a higher cost, repaying the interest rate and the loan to the legislature. So when would
5: you expect phase one to be in use, we'll call it that word, or start
12: Palm Beach Aggregates continues to commit that once construction is initiated, that it's a two year timeline, we'll have a presentation um, this Friday or next, I think it's next Friday uh, by the representative from Palm Beach Aggregates on the, on the current timeline and the state of the project.
5: So three to four years.
12: Well, I would At least I would,
5: two I would, to three I would years. like
12: to believe that construction construction was supposed to commence this March. And we had some um, just time delays with some of the municipal agreements and some transitions and staff in Miami-Dade. So there were just some some delays there in that conversation. Um, ideally, we can still see construction commence this year. And then it would be a two-year time frame in which, to which that water would be available.
10: Thank you. Mayor, if I could just follow up on a uh, related issue. What type of strategy do we have with regard to uh, an expansion of Uh, reuse water lines into more communities in Broward County?
11: Countywide I would defer to Jennifer for our our area we're really limited to that very north end of the county where we have a wastewater treatment plant Um, and and with the transmission line that's going to go up and provide reuse to North Springs Improvement District as well as um, Palm Beach County we are going to be able to pick up some areas um, you know quiet water potentially Quiet Waters Park, and then some areas at the very north end of Coconut Creek, and at least give us the opportunity to try to branch out and pick up some golf courses. But our stuff is really limited to that area because of the proximity well, to the I, I wastewater treatment plan. I
10: understand have we ever, like, made an inquiry to the, the League of Cities to see if they perhaps could pull their members and, and find if there's any interest in expanding these, these reuse water lines?
11: I'm not aware of any any you reaching out to them but I, I will tell you this Commissioner. when we had the initial plan where in order to meet the the outfall legislation we had to basically put reuse everywhere in the North End County had very little um, interest from our 11 large users
10: well maybe um, uh, Commissioner Geller since you're the chair of the water advisory board perhaps you could put that as an item on the next meeting for discussion
1: I've just spoken with Dr. Hirado today about uh, a meeting to discuss agendas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Dr. Harado? Um
12: I can share that through uh, the county's integrated water resources plan, we have maintained or we initiated about a year ago uh, cost share participation in the construction of reclaimed water systems. It's not really the systems themselves in terms of treatment, but more the conveyance and distribution. Oftentimes, it's the installations of the line or the residential hookup or another hookup that would be um, a a cost uh, deterrent. And uh, through the IWRP cost share program, we have been able to allocate, uh, I think, on the order of maybe $500,000 over uh, close to $600,000 over two years to help expand these systems. And uh, we've been able to exhaust all the funding available through the IWRP program to uh, help support those connections. So we continue, and we have a reclaimed, a, a countywide reclaimed water uh, master plan that identifies priority opportunities for expansion based upon um, some of the per-unit cost reductions that occur in working with partners rather than just being limited to one's own service area, and that's been one of the criteria for the program as well. So when those funds are available, we. We have helped and, and have been able to help advance those expansions with municipal uh, partners. Commissioner Geller.
1: Uh, Dr. Gerardo, I spend a fair amount of time with you as through the Water Advisory Board and other places, and every time I hear you speak, I'm just impressed. And uh, although the United States Constitution <laughs> prohibits involuntary servitude, <laughs> you can't go anywhere. You're great.
10: You make her day. Huh? I want to <laughs> ask one last Vice true. Mayor
5: Bogan. I'll second uh, Commissioner <laughs> Geller's uh, comments. I just—I can ask you one last thing. It's following up on Commissioner Rich's comments earlier on seawater intrusion. Um, is there thought of over time the the you know to build? We have forty. We we oversee forty to fifty. What do you call it, wells, so to speak? What do we you know for our the,
12: the the groundwater monitoring well network? Yes. Um, that that sounds. Uh, on the order of correct, yeah, I'm not and sure if they so. Is there any
5: thought of moving more west, westerly, based on the the problems that we were experiencing? Okay,
12: okay so yeah, we have the question of the we have um, monitoring wells and the coastal drinking water wells. So uh, yes. We monitor the movement of the saltwater intrusion front relative to our coastal wells, and we monitor uh, uh, trigger wells for the uh, rate at which that front is moving. So many cities have already begun to make those adjustments, moving wells further westward, and we're also looking at opportunities for managing the saltwater front and helping to reduce the rate of saltwater intrusion through modified uh, wellfield practices and aquifer recharge.
5: Thank you. Thanks.
11: Okay, so, and we—I'll just go over this real quickly. Some of our reuse successes. You know, we do. We are in line to meet the reuse requirements of the uh, the Outfall Elimination Bill. Um, we are about a month away from breaking ground on our reuse plant expansion. We're going to be expanding our plant from ten million gallons per day to twenty-six million gallons per day. Um, right now, we've got future demands of about 23 million gallons per day, so that'll leave a little bit for for uh, future expansion. These are just a couple of quick little other organizational highlights, some awards that we won within the past year for for our operations, our distribution system, uh, uh, winning the award for resilient utility Coalition, resilient utility of the year, 2018. And then just finally, uh, one of the things I want to point out is the completion of the Hillsborough Pines Neighborhood Project. That was the last of the 65 neighborhood projects that we had started back in 1995. Um, and that wrapped up that program, uh, which has now transitioned into our utility UAZ programs. But that was the last one. And uh, we were very happy to finish that, that, that program element. You don't hear any more problems from <laughs> Mexico Everything is good, good now, Commissioner. <laughs>
0: We, we, we didn't hear the celebration. No, we're very familiar
11: with that. It was it was a tough one, but you know what? It, in the end, of the day, I think they were all happy, most of them anyway. They're They're, <laughs> um, so, so just looking real quickly at our five-year capital program, we we break it down by uh, the different elements: water treatment, distribution, collection. The the big element of the five years is the distribution collection. We have a series of very large projects that are going on right now in the Lauderdale Lakes area. Uh, each bid package is somewhere between twenty to thirty million dollars. We've already awarded a couple of them, um, and so um, we will be doing a lot of work in the uh, Lauderdale Lakes. But these are a little bit you know smaller than the, the typical neighborhood projects. They'll just be water and and sewer. Um, we'll only do drainage if the city comes to us and wants to do a Uh, JPA to for them to pay to put drainage in but otherwise our projects are just strictly water and sewer for these ones so it's a little scale back but the five year program 381 million dollars which is down from last year's five five year program Um, this is just a breakdown per year right, debt service once again, just some of the comments from the rating agencies Uh, We do anticipate uh, issuing debt service uh, either in the early part of fiscal year 19 or right after the first of the year. And a lot of that will go towards paying for some of our regional projects and regional upgrades at the uh, wastewater treatment plant. All right, now let's take a look at our operating budget. So budget factors, factors that affect our, you know, operating revenue, um, water usage, uh, 2017 rainfall was above historic annual levels by 16 inches, and 19 inches greater than the year's uh, previous year's uh, rainfall. Nevertheless, we had an increase in consumption of 600,000 gallons per day, um, and that really came into play. Basically, we saw an increase in our our single-family residential accounts, as well as also our sale for resale. Uh, our sale for resale made up about half of that increase about 300,000 gallons per day. Um, we continue to still wheedle down the idle accounts. You know, these are properties that might have been in foreclosure that had no consumption and now have been sold by the banks and we have people living there. So our idle, idle zero consumption accounts are, are slightly decreasing each year, continuing to decrease each year. Um, this is just a graph of the, the, the uh, retail water usage billions of gallons. You can see the slight uptick this last year. So we actually did use more water this past year. Um, Our budget factors, you know, really the system costs are what drives our budget factors, and those are non-personal operating costs, which are effectively flat. Um, Our personnel costs have slightly increased, construction construction costs have increased, and debt service costs are going to increase with this next issuance. So overall, our total system costs have increased, and you can see this in the chart. It's about $6 million over last year's total system costs. And like I said, one of the big drivers there is the debt service and and the the capital program costs. Retail rates, very competitive among local utilities. Once again, we are a conservation-based rate. We reward our customers with the lowest consumption with the lowest rates. This just is a quick summary of of the different water treatment and wastewater treatment plants throughout Broward County, just to give you an idea of, you know, how big some of the other utilities are and, and, you know, compared to us. This is our rate survey. Once again, as Bertha mentioned years ago, we were in that top third of this, this survey. Now we're down, um, we're well below the average and down about, you know, the bottom one third of the uh, uh, customers and We've done that despite the fact that we have made a billion dollar investment into our, uh, our system. And a lot of the other utilities haven't, so at some point they're gonna play catch up. And certainly the city of Fort Lauderdale used to be the bottom on that list, and they are steadily climbing up as they try to address their needs.
1: Mr. Gilliam. Uh, like these numbers, again, they show we're very competitive. How do we, uh, uh, in Broward County, how do we compare with other counties? particularly we're, South Florida counties. We're, we're,
11: we're higher than Miami-Dade because Miami-Dade is basically the one provider for the yeah. entire county. So there's a great economy in scale. We're pretty much on, on target with uh, West Palm. I, I don't have the data for comparisons to say Collier or, or the other ones. But, you know, par- part of our problem is we're somewhat unique in the fact that we've got 28 utilities operating within the county.
0: Commissioner Holness. Were you finished? I'm sorry. Okay. Commissioner
4: Holmes. Uh, I'm looking at this ranking and and, and note that uh, the area that wants the grant is on the lower level and cost uh, in the lower third. Uh, So for us. What
0: what did you say? They're They're in the
4: lowest uh, percent. The area that's looking for the grant to take care of the sewer issue. Look at this. and I think it's Pompano Beach that serviced that. and And they're even below us. So, for us to then give a grant doesn't, not fair.
0: About the, grant
4: the grant The grant, the, the request for us to give a grant to uh, Laurel by the Sea for taking care of their septic issues. Now I recall what you're talking about. Yes, so you look at this uh, and then you see that their rates are, are way down on the bottom. Uh, we made the investment, or people paid the, the cost to do what we needed to do. Uh, it's only fair that everyone do that.
0: Commissioner Ryan.
10: And uh, that's what happens right. when you miss a budget workshop.
13: <laughs>
10: so um, it was interesting, the comment that you had when... Um, Commissioner Geller asked for a comparison county by county. I thought that Miami-Dade County has to do like eight to $15 billion worth of uh, capital improvements. So how could their rates be lower than ours? They haven't
11: had that big sticker shock rate yet. Um, uh, I don't know that they've done their super large uh, bond issuance. They were very low to start off with. You know, they were probably were half of what we were. So there's still some, some leeway there, but yes, once again, they will catch up, and I think part of the reason that they got in the situation they did is they knew they had a failing system, yet their board was that very adamant about, we're not. you know, you find a way to get it done, but we're not raising rates to do it, and that's just not a way you can operate the utility yeah, effectively. So it,
10: it took the, uh, the federal government to come in and compel them to do so. And, and broken pipes.
11: <laughs> Correctly. Okay, this just gives you a comparison um the 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 number here to really look at is the what we like to look at as our average customer which is the five thousand gallons a month uh five eighth inch meter um, combined water and sewer increase of two dollars per month on their their bill so it, it takes the the bill from $65, $65 $65.58 to $67.58. This is just a quick uh, breakdown of really, you know, where does that, how does that bill break down? You know, $20 of that bill is debt service, 13 for capital program costs, uh, personnel is the lowest component of the bill, and O&M at 22. That tends to be the highest because, you know, this. The one thing I will tell you is, it is a constant operation and maintenance need. I mean, it's a very, very harsh and aggressive environment that this equipment operates in. So you have got to be on top of it because the one thing I've experienced in this business is you can't play catch up. It's, it's too difficult. You gotta stay ahead of that curve. If you play catch up, you're gonna be on the losing end. Um, just real quickly, our wholesale rates, our wholesale rates for wastewater, these are rates, once again, that we ultimately true up the rates at the end of the year. So uh, the, the uh, large users only pay the actual cost, and then we make the appropriate adjustment in next year's bill. Um, because of the debt service, that, or the, the bond issuance and the uh, increase in debt service that I mentioned, that bill will be going up from $1.90 to, to $2.33 per thousand gallons. Uh, it'll increase their their sewer, customers sewer bills by about two dollars a month Um, wholesale raw water it's almost flat it goes up one-tenth of one cent which is a half a cent per month uh, impact to you know custom water customers from these cities that buy the uh, raw water from us
0: we'll be hearing about that
11: (laughs) Um, in summary we continue to provide cost effective and competitive rates to our customers while proactively continuing to reinvest in our infrastructure um, and we once again foresee manageable rate increases uh, to be forecast to fund or fund future operating capital and debt costs. With that, I'll entertain any other questions.
0: Any other questions? Thank you, Alan. Nice job. Thank you, Mayor. Very much. We're gonna, take a, break? We're gonna take a break now. Uh, we will get some lunch here, and then we're gonna have come back and we will uh, convene the commission meeting. And I think this gives Mike a chance to get Comcast yes. on. Okay. So reconvene at 2, I mean at 1210. I want us to have a united front to get this passed. I think it's important. Um, I think, uh, first of all, 90% of the roads are in the municipalities. Uh, so they, you know, that's, I I think they want to see, what I kept hearing from them and MPO was that they wanted to, you know, they appreciated that the, what was, the, they liked the plan. A lot of them liked the plan, what was in it. Um, a lot of the fiber optic, all the, intersections, you know, lots of parts of it they like. But they did want to see it in writing uh, in, with an ILA of what was going to be going to their cities. And so we had asked, uh, we'd have, we've been asking them to submit their projects over the last few months, and the MPO has been asking to them to submit to the MPO. And to date, they have submitted 709 projects. Is that right? That's it. That's all. I know. <laughs> Only 709. But they are they are engaged with it. They they're showing an interest. They want to see it. Uh, it initially, there were a number of um, cities that had bus shuttles, and I, from my understanding, is four more cities would like to add to that, which is something I think we've wanted because that. Um, That's the first and last mile, and it also helps us boost our numbers for our own transit system. That's how. That's how people are going to get there. I have a feeling those aren't going to be the last four. I think a few more will go there. So there, there are a, a number of um, main elements in this, uh, three three in particular. Uh, the first main element we actually agreed to as a commission, and that was that all of those projects would be prioritized and ranked through the MPO. Um, and I I uh, ha- had a chance to do a presentation at the MPO. And in general, it was pretty warmly received. They like to hear that. They like the fact that, you know, one of the, I will tell you one of the things that some of the cities were concerned to, concerned with, because we're not doing it per capita, we're doing it municipal projects over, was when, you know, how how do they know that they're going to, when their city's going to be able to get a project? And my answer was always, first of all, there's nine county commissioners here. I think all of us are going to try to make sure that uh, we get the, that money uh, as equitably divvied up as possible. And so that, you know, that was, uh, you know, I think each one of us is going to look out for our own district. That's, that's kind of a given. And at the MPO, you have every city is represented, and you sit next to all the other cities. And when you're devi- dividing this up, uh, much like when we're doing the MPO projects, there is a there's a there's a understanding that there has to be some fairness uh there and there needs to be equity and there needs to be geographic equity uh so there's you know I, I think that's you know you can't you know the MPO will will help rank it but with, I think with the understanding that there needs to be uh ranked toward what's necessary um what's you know what's going to help us uh and and our 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 citizens Move from A to B the be- in the best way, but there's also a recognition that all parts of the county need to be addressed. And to be frank, you're not going to be wanting to do all the construction in one part of the county at one time anyway, or you'd have a total mess. So, you know, that's 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 one of the first elements. The second element was to have a minimum of 10% every year be guaranteed to be going toward municipal projects. This was initially, uh, many of the cities were asking for 10%. They were thinking more per capita, but this is more a a way to say at least 10% every year of surtax will be going toward uh, municipal projects. And if you look at the additional material that came out today, it is the yellow sheet. And if you look at the bottom, and you will see the, uh, the last... Item it says city requested projects on the bottom right before you get to total. That is a total amount that is de- uh, designated uh, toward municipal projects. And this is for those who don't know. This is the first time in the history of Florida that there had to be an audit done prior. Am I, I am I correct on this? Prior to a referendum. No, at no other time has there ever had to be a a a a budget or an audit of the spend, the 30-year spending before it got approved by the voters. So to do that, and we had to do that because the legislature required us to do that It's the uh, through OPAGA, and so we had to be very, you know, very accurate, as accurate as we possibly could given 30 years, uh, being able to say this is where we expect all of this money to go, this is your line item, and uh, this is the line item for municipal projects is $2.8 billion over 30 years. Uh, and so what we are saying is, you know, that's, that's what we we intend to, uh, that's our good faith. Uh, not only our good faith, that's what we've said to the auditors. This is what we plan on spending for that. The 10% obviously is considerably less than that. Um, and so, the ten percent is really a, a floor that we 're saying we're going we 're going to make sure we get at least that every year we 're going to try to make sure we when we start trying to deal with those seven hundred and nine projects look we 're going to make sure we got at least ten percent of that, of that. But, so the reality, the reality, but the reality of it is that there 's probably going to be much more than that um, because to get to the two point eight billion you would be spending more than that um, but that's that 's the you know the city's wanted to hear – uh, that's why they wanted an ILA. That's why they wanted an interlocal agreement to so that they could feel comfortable with that number. And so the second part is the 10 percent, and the third part is a recognition that this is a good faith effort, that this 2.8 billion dollars is what we expect to spend. That's what we're put. That's what we have said to the auditors, and so uh, we put this forward. Um, there have been a couple of amendments to this. Drew, would you like to uh, – because I think Drew has, had talked to a, a few of the cities and a few of the attorneys that represented the cities that had some concerns, and they had asked for a few minor changes, and if you would elaborate on that.
13: Yes, Mayor. Thank you. Uh, this is distributed as additional material 1 per in 2 uh, under the mayor's name. Uh, I did speak with council for uh, several of the cities, council for the League of Cities as well. And uh, one of the, uh, it's, it's just two pages, pages four and five. There are some shaded areas where the changes are reflected. Uh, the first thing I would call really more clarification than anything. Uh, it's, it's just making sure that the funding occurs for the municipal projects in the order of ranking uh, by the MPO. So once the MPO, rank the projects. It wouldn't be discretionary for this board to approve from among a category of the highest ranked projects. There would be some sort of scoring and they would be ranked in that order. I, I think that was always intended, so I think it's good clarifying language. Uh, and can I,
0: can I jump in one minute? Yes, like sir. That? And by that time, just as a, as a reminder, all nine of us will be members of the MPO because of what we had passed before. Only five of us, uh, five of us will be voting, but all nine of us will be there to, and beginning the agenda, and have a chance to look at those projects and weigh in on those before they are voted on. So, go ahead.
13: The, uh, the second part of that same paragraph was some cleanup that I added as a result of the clarification in the first part, which is uh, looking at a situation where the, the commitment is for a minimum of 10%. Uh, let's assume uh, that we're dealing with, uh, just to pull a number out of the air, $350 million during the First year, and 10% of that would be 35 million. Let's assume the first four projects that were uh, ranked are 34 million, and there's only a million left. Uh, and the next project would take seven or eight million. Well, if the board were obligated to fund it that year, that would create a commitment to dramatically exceed the 10%. So the remainder of that language just would give the board the option of either funding that next project, which would increase above the 10%. Uh, or taking, under my example, the $1 million delta and pushing it back to the following year to true it up to make sure that they're, that's added to the 10% allocation for the following year. Uh, the only uh, the only other change uh, on uh, the next page is initially I think we had heard from the MPO that it might not be ready to rank all of the projects and prioritize during fiscal year 19 and in the initial draft, what it said was the only funding obligation during fiscal uh, during excuse me calendar year 19, if that occurred, uh, would be to fund the community bus service. Uh, it was requested that uh, we modify the language to say that if we're not in a position because of the MPO's inability to timely prioritize to fund the the uh, extra, the difference between the community bus service expenditures and the 10 percent minimum, that instead of the municipalities losing that money it would be pushed into 2020 so there'd be a truing up and they would just receive that money on a on a delayed basis and uh that those are really the three main changes i just wanted to point out also that county administration circulated this morning as additional material 1-3 uh, the chart that the mayor referred to just to make sure that we're all on the the same page and to have clarity in the record Uh, the ILA refers to this as exhibit a it's labeled exhibit one. So if the board were to move forward with this item, I would be changing that to exhibit a, um, and, uh, and then this, this second point on it is that in the ILA, we refer to in the, uh, in the table, we refer to community, excuse me, city projects, uh, in this table, it says city requested projects. I just want to make sure that everything's lined up on that. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you.
0: And the and the last uh, part of this is that we're going to we're asking the cities to sign up for this by September 30th. Y-
13: y- yes, Mayor. I mean. There's uh, it's there is a uh, one of the uh, elements of consideration uh, in the deal is that there be a mutual pledge of support uh, that uh, the county is looking for by September 30th. Uh, cities can still join after September 30th, but there is a provision. In there, that would make them ineligible for 2019 funding if they didn't sign up until after September 30th of 2019.
0: And I thought that was important because, having met with a couple of chambers and our workshop and a few others, they want to they want to make sure we're we're in line with the cities that everybody's working together. Everybody's rowing in the same direction on this. So,
13: and just one final point, just to make sure everyone is aware that the the motion itself is a motion to approve. And substantially this form, it would be authorizing me to make changes if we received additional feedback from the cities, but not as to the material business points which are stated in the agenda item.
0: Okay, with that, um, Commissioner Ryan. No,
10: that a question. Okay, on page, on page two, where it speaks to, um, I guess it defines current municipal projects. Um, there's language that. <clears throat> Uh, all municipal projects um, which will be considered by the County Commission on September 13 2018 does that mean that uh, the municipalities can between now and September 13th um, submit additional projects above the 709 and be included in the uh, uh, current municipal projects
13: my understanding of it is that there's an item that's already ready, and I think Ms. Cassini can speak to this, that identifies those 709 items that have already been submitted. But additional projects certainly could be submitted in the future. There's not, uh, this is not carved in stone that th- these particular 709 projects would necessarily have to be funded if the MPO prioritized some future submittal whether it occurred before the September 13th date uh, or three years down the road, then that's something that certainly could be funded with a surtax.
10: And that's the purpose of the inquiry, because on page three, there's a differentiation between current municipal projects and submitted municipal projects, which is, you know, any other projects that are uh, uh, submitted, I guess, through the MPO and and then to the county. Uh, so, um is there a, um, a distinction made, in other words, is there some higher priority if it's a current municipal project as opposed to a submitted municipal project? The,
13: the way it's drafted is the only distinction between the two uh, is that the ones that are considered submitted municipal projects do not have to go through the process of uh, being, well, they've already been uh, submitted to the county, so they don't have to be resubmitted to the county and it's my understanding, and the agreement reflects this, that all of them have been submitted to the MPO for the MPO's review. So those of uh, those conditions to potential funding have already occurred for the 709 submitted municipal projects.
10: Well, on the MPO, we do get um, uh, lists from time to time on prioritized projects. So uh, of these 709 projects, has the MPO already, um, you know, done some type of evaluation on these projects and and identify which ones are the highest priority.
0: Uh, I don't, believe I, don't but, I don't believe so. Yeah. That, that that's going to take a considerable amount of time as you can imagine. In fact, I think they you know they, that's going to take that's why we were concerned with whether or not they would have it finished even by 2019, correct?
10: Yeah. Right. So with the funding formula where 10% is allocated to um, municipal uh community projects and um that combined with the community bus service uh will be a minimum of 10% every year. So, is this agreement to be read that if less than 10% of the of the annual funding is is appropriated for uh this enhanced bus service and for municipal projects that there will continue to be a rollover?
13: Uh, no, it's uh if initially or if if during any given year, the 10% figure couldn't be met because there weren't enough projects that were approved. I don't think it's drafted where there's a, a truing up of that. But if we meet or exceed 10%, let's assume that one year it's 12% or 15%, then there is not a corresponding reduction in future years. There would still be an obligation to meet the minimum of 10%. I, um,
10: there is an important distinction um, that's, on page 5 of the amendment by the mayor and uh, it speaks to the the surtax proceeds uh, will directly fund existing community service as outlined below and then as I read the language below um, we're only speaking of new service on the community bus program that will be um, um, calculated as part of the ten percent so with Am I reading that incorrectly? So the existing community bus program, is that going to be funded through this surtax?
13: Well, then, then we...
10: But, but in other words, but not yes. part of the 10%. That? Yeah, we address that? Uh,
14: actually, the entire community shuttle program that exists right now would be funded through the surtax proceeds, and that was presented to you as moving from 2.5 million dollars a year to, in the first year of the surtax, 7.6 million. But additional new service and expanded service has been submitted by cities that we believe probably will meet the eligibility criteria, and so. The actual total for community bus paid for out of the surtax right now is about five hundred and thirty-five million dollars over the thirty years. So your question, your your question is all existing, expansion, and new that has been submitted that meets criteria is in the plan and being paid for out of the surtax directly to the cities each year.
10: With with yes. regard to the yes. to yes. the ten percent. Um, if you have um, existing service in one of the cities and um, the county wants to see um, uh, more service, more concentrated service in a particular city and, and incentivizes it by saying, you know, we'll adjust whatever, you know, the, the rate is that, um, that, that the share that the city picks up. They don't pick up uh, if, if there was some kind of a... Um, yeah. Um, an increase in the cost for the existing service, would that be part of the 10% or not?
14: The the way that the surtax plan is structured right now, Commissioner, there is no subsidy by any city. The surtax is funding 100%. There's no longer us paying $15 and the city is picking up the rest. So that $535 million that you see represented as a city direct allocation for community bus picks up every penny of the cost both capital and operating
10: the the MPO will rank the projects that are the um, municipal projects and um, it looks like based upon um, however the MPO decides those are prioritized that they're automatically going to be funded as long as they um, they I guess they have to be um, vetted by the the oversight committee Is that, like, the only criteria in order for them to be approved?
13: Yes, ranked uh, by the MPO and then vetted by the Oversight Committee and then being within the 10% minimum inclusive of the community bus service.
10: So the the vast majority of the proceeds from uh, the surtax are going to be used for regional transportation um, expenses. Uh, What role does the MPO play in... um, the county's uh, disbursement appropriation for uh, regional transportation
14: projects
7: but
14: In our conversations with the MPO thus far, um, what we have been told is that if it's a project that the county or the state wants that's in this plan and we expect to federalize that project, and, in other words, to receive federal grants for it, um, that it will have to go through the MPO's process, which is currently what we do. Mm -hmm. It will continue to be the practice. If it's something that's paid for exclusively by surtax revenues, it does not have to go through that process.
10: Or if it's paid for by surtax proceeds and state dollars, but no federal dollars, then again, it doesn't have to... Correct. Uh, state state, or,
0: to state or federal, right?
10: No, I know there's a distinction between yeah. state and federal. I think, I think with the federal appropriations, you have to have, uh, it has to be vetted by the MPO, but not for state pro- not for state-funded projects.
14: I would have to defer to the MPO. Yeah, I, I, thought, I know for certain it's federal, but I'm not certain that state. I thought he had
10: said, I thought. Uh, you remember we had
14: uh, Bill Cross
10: came yep. to one of our earlier meetings. Right. That was like the only person from the MPO that we could have come to county hall, but yep. uh, he did present. State two. Um,
0: okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Great
15: mayor commissioners Um, the MPO generally administers the FHWA money so that highway federal highway administration funds um, that uh, come through a a lot of times either through FDOT or the MPO so but our grant funding we receive direct grant funding from the FTA that's not administered through the MPO Uh,
0: is that that state or federal
15: Federal. The FTA okay. is federal, the Federal Transit Administration.
0: And for state funds.
15: State funds we receive through joint participation agreements directly from the um, Florida Department of Transportation. So District
0: that does 4. have to go through the MPO, or it does not? Does not. No. The, so, we
15: receive funding from FDOT through JPAs okay. that does not come through the MPO.
0: Okay. So whatever, whichever ones have to will have to. Whichever Correct. Ones don't have to. Right. So it just to. depends <laughs> on whether. <laughs> it's pretty pretty simple. Pretty right okay. Um, Commissioner Rich, then Commissioner Gallon.
7: Um, yeah, I I just wanted to kind of clarify as I read this. Um, you know, my concern has been a lot with transportation disadvantaged and top struggles. So, um, where where does that fit into the enhancement plan as you see it now? It, it, expansion improvement of that program.
16: The well, was the capital is for the. You're speaking specific of paratransit. Mm-hmm. The capital is captured in the bus capital, and the operating is is captured in the operating. We were discussing that earlier, and it turns out that the projected growth in the paratransit program will equate to about 20 of of our expenditures of the the money that's coming to support the transportation program. We're estimating about I think 2.4 billion dollars will go directly to support. Two point four billion over the thirty years, go to support the transit, the paratransit program.
7: Okay, so when I when I am I'm, I'm just trying to get the the how this works with both what we're going to be doing and these community projects, these uh, municipal projects. So here it talks about that each of those projects. Um, I mean, would any of those projects be focused on transportation disadvantaged, or are you envisioning? the county picking up all of that because this says here that the rankings would have to be they'd have to alleviate traffic congestion and enhance connectivity now I'm not sure that that fits the definition of getting someone to their doctor's appointment on time and picking them up on time and returning to them to their home or apartment
16: Now, as, as a recipient of federal funds um, as long as we receive those funds we are the required provider of paratransit services throughout Broward County now what we do know is that the community bus program does supplement that program very well, and it actually reduces our, our paratransit costs to a certain extent. Uh, as the para, as the the community shuttle program grows, it signif- it does help our paratransit program. But as far as specific requirements under the ADA for the cities to do that, and that falls upon the county to do that. We are required to provide ADA transportation services for the entire county.
7: Okay, because as I read eligibility. You know, it just lists street lighting, drainage, buffer walls. It doesn't list anything that deals with that right. facet and of transportation. And again, that reason is yeah.
16: because that is strictly our okay. responsibility okay. under the federal Thank law. You. I think
0: that's one of the best benefits that's, uh, of yes. this entire sur is that <laughs> that was going to blow a hole right through the entire budget. Right. Yes. Right. And this is the one, one right. opportunity to get a handle on that. Uh, Mr. Gov.
1: Thank you. A couple questions. First, and I've asked this question before, but just to be repetitive, uh, I see a lot of money on here for light rail and operating and capital, and I was very clear I supported this because there were no commitments other than in the airport, seaport area for light rail that we are examining this, we will see what grants we get, we will work with the cities to determine acceptable routes, and all of that other stuff. But that just because it's in here, this budget, does not mean that we are committing to this amount in light rail. That we are authorizing this, but that there are no commitments, because I'm going to be very unhappy, as I expressed earlier, when I if I get told later, oh, it's too late, we've already agreed to this, when I could not have been clearer on this when I voted for it.
13: I see Drew. Yeah. It, you're uh, correct that the, correct. the amount that's in there it, is no commitment. Uh, the only uh, issue is that there is some commitment uh, along, I think it says approved corridors or whatever the budget, excuse me, the, uh, the ballot measure says because it's included in there. So there is a commitment to light rail along approved corridors, but the specifics are, are to be what determined. What we had
1: discussed previously was that that. Could end up being limited to an airport yes. seaport convention Correct. center, although yes. it could be expanded Correct. if we we're able to work everything. I just want to be one once again clear in the record. I know at least two of my cities have uh, cities I represent have great concerns about the light rail corridors. Second on this to the mayor um, Where are the cities right now because i 've heard that several of them have are continuing to bring up the per capita. That you had discussed, and I think that we may be able to pass this. I think it's going to be a, a tough slog, mm-hmm. but I think that we have a good shot at passing this if the county and the cities are on the same page. We're not on the same page; it will be much tougher. Do you know? Are we on the same page?
0: With with many of the cities, yes. Um, there are there <laughs> yeah.
1: are there are a couple that are,
0: you know. I think there's there are cities that would like to do per capita. Mm-hmm. The, that's just. They would like okay. to have the control of their own money to do it the way, but um, and I and I've told them.
1: But that would go against the MPO argument. That it goes. It, right.
0: it goes against a, a broad planning. Right. It goes against trying to making sure that the where the where this money is needed the most it goes, and so I've kind of I've, I've put I put forth that I, we can't do per capita, but we can't do ten percent. You know universally. Which and, I think is great, and I think it's a better policy. I think it's I think it's I better agree with you, and I think the I, I think the residents would consider it a better policy too. I understand, you know, if I was a mayor of a of a city wanting to get more money per capita, having been a city commissioner, oh yeah, I would love to be able to get that much more money. But when I look at the overall good, and the greater good, and which is what we're trying to do for this, we're trying to make this you know for the greater good of this entire county that I think a 10% across the board universal you know, is a better way to do it.
1: Mr. Mayor, I think most of us agree with you on that. I'm just trying to find out if the city, you know, because, again, my concern is if some of the cities, you know, say, well, you didn't. uh, That's the reason we lost two years ago is the issue involving the cities requiring their own half penny. I just want, I would be concerned if, or or five or six of the cities, you know, end up coming out in opposition to this that it would be more difficult for us to pass it. So my question to you is do you know? And the answer maybe you don't know, but do you know if where the cities are if we have, you know, close, maybe not universal, but close to universal agreement with the cities. And
0: and, and one of the things Even some of those cities that would have wanted to do per capita have submitted projects. Mm -hmm. So they will, those projects will get funded at some point. Yeah, we don't, you don't know where on that 30-year spectrum, but, you know, that's what we're, we're we're trying, you know, it's, there's negotiations here, but that's kind of where this is. We're going to go. I
1: I still, the the, the question is, do we know if the majority of the cities will be supporting us?
0: Well, that's why we're, that's why we're asking this, doing this ILA. That's one of the reasons. So this is this is a will know.
13: Mayor. Yes. Just one other point I should bring out. There there is Senator Geller a condition precedent to effectiveness that does not that it necessarily answers your question, but it does require a majority of the city's by population to have approved this by September 30th. So even if the board were to approve this today, it's still subject to that approval requirement.
1: Well, follow up, Miss Mayor. They Problem is, I think we only have until September, early September, to remove anything from the ballot, um, and, and I am just concerned again that we won't know where the cities are until after that deadline is passed. But you, if you, you've worked with them, and I haven't. I mean, from the MPO, I've spoken with some some with my cities, but the cities I'm privileged to represent. But do you? Is it your feeling that we'll have? I know it's early. That we'll have. You think we'll have? I, general I think we will. Yes. Inter- thank you. Yes.
0: Um, Commissioner Holness, Commiss- Commissioner Udine, Commissioner Sharif, uh,
4: Commissioner Geller, Last time, the transportation segment of the ballot question passed, uh, and 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 I'm going to the line of questioning that you had. The cities will benefit three hundred million dollars to this. I think partly why the years failed to the extent that it did is there was no education. And informing the public as to what the programs were about, even on their path. And, and, and to, to your line of question, uh, Commissioner Geller, how committed are they to helping to educate the public as to what this is about. Uh, Because if the public is fully informed as to the benefits that they will receive and and how this works, I think they'll make a more informed decision and a better decision. Uh, So I I think in your outreach, I would hope that we're getting from them some sort of commitment as to what their education informational process is going to be. How are they going to go out and ensure that the public is aware what this program is all about. No they can't necessarily advocate that someone vote for it but they can educate them and inform them. And and again if they do so I think we're going to have success. I believe we will anyhow uh, pass this. Uh, The the thing that I want to make sure we, we, we really emph- emphasize, uh, something that uh, Commissioner Rich talked about, is how do we get the folks disadvantaged transportation system that will benefit them, and, and uh, especially that this tax will affect them in a greater way as a percentage of their income compared to those who are wealthy.
0: Mm-hmm. I, and I just, uh, uh, just to comment on that, I do think it's going to be incumbent upon all of us to be very knowledgeable this is a huge plan. This is a very comprehensive plan. I actually think this is a much better plan than we that we put forth two years ago. It is, it's got, it's robust. It's comprehensive. It covers uh, a lot of ground, and I think it's, you know, uh, it's there's a lot in here for everybody. But it, but unless we know, unless we make become acquainted with it ourselves, it's hard to tell everybody. So we, we, we need to know it well so we can tell our own cities, Commissioner Udine.
9: Thank you. Um, thank you for your hard work on this, Mayor. And I'm going to support this item today. And I, I just would point out that, you know, it kind of gets old after a while, this city versus county thing, because no one cares when they're driving down the street who's responsible for that particular street. I, you know, the traffic is horrible and we need to do something about it. And this is a way to do, do something about it. I, I, I kind of like what you said originally you know when you talk about the per capita versus the 10% mm. another big issue is if you start doing everything in one city based on per capita right. they're going to complain about that because it's <laughs> going to be a, it's going to be a problem if it's not spread out more strategically as we do this so right. i think that it makes some sense to do it like this what i would what i was going to comment on is i think that we should make sure that as this is voted on today assuming if it passes that we immediately get this to the cities, like within the next few, like days. next day, days, yeah. and and not leave it through the league of cities to distribute to them and have it go county administrator to city managers and tell them to get this on their next agendas because there may be some tweaking that may need to be done, but to to leave this and delay this any anything further, right. I think would be a mistake. We need to get this to the cities as quickly as possible.
0: Um, actually, let me do t- Commissioner Sharif first, Mr. Sharif. Then you're next.
15: I just wanted to uh, lend some aid here in terms of the city support for this. When the city's surtex, um, half penny surtax failed, um, they were in agreement with going um, on board with the county. And so we did have a majority of support even prior to this point to go ahead and put the penny on. So, Mayor, I don't really think, I don't see this as an issue. I don't think anybody's going to come out against us. They have probably all turned in projects that they want completed under this we have a list of those projects Um, I think Gretchen you've been working with them right and um, have you met with any opposition right now in terms of that
14: well the cities that have asked us to come out and speak with them and have submitted projects have at the staff level all been very very supportive absolutely but not every city that submitted projects has taken affirmative action in support of the surtax yet which is The purpose of the ILA
15: and then the other part of it is that when we did do the education on the the half penny surtax um, we were out there educating and doing that in our districts and I do believe that we're probably going to need a greater effort to help our cities with that portion of it because I got to tell you I got a lot of last-minute calls last time to show up at Commission meetings and community meetings and explain it and so I think that that's really where our efforts after we've established this ILA our efforts as uh, County Commissioners for our district needs to be where are we needed get as many of those things um, lined up as possible and then get some help because we're gonna need to be in like 10 places at the same time
0: vice mayor Bogan then Commissioner Ryan second time around
5: I I just wanted to uh, just follow up with um, comments I have one of the cities in my district who's saying that they knew nothing about any of this the ILA the 10% until today so um, you know I'm just wanted to communicate that I don't know maybe that's not I got um, a city manager sitting back here that's claiming that they, they didn't know anything about it until today so I think we need to get out and Get that,
0: okay, Commissioner Ryan.
10: I hope that part of the explanation with regard to this ILA is it's um, an effort to provide further assurances to the cities as to um, a concrete commitment by the county to um, have a minimal, have a minimum expenditure for um, for for municipal projects. When you do that, I mean, we're, we're, prov- we're trying to, I think, educate and also show uh, an effort at cooperation. If some of the cities are, are reluctant to come on board the first year, that's okay, because this is going to be on the ballot in November, whether we have an ILA or not. Hmm. And so if we don't get the 50% threshold the first year, then we don't have an ILA, and we'll expend the money on the projects um, uh, that are outlined in the ordinance and the resolution, and we will still be taking up the municipal projects because this is what we've promised. Uh, so I don't think we need to be concerned about whether or not the municipalities, uh, you know, want to to come on board. If if they're hesitant and you know they they feel that um, you know the county is not adequately communicating this, then they can wait a year and uh, pick it back up. But I think it's a it's a disservice for any. Municipal elected official, not to adopt this because if more than 50% adopt it, then the cities that don't lose out in their funding for the first year. Right, and can't, th- those the, their projects will not be part of the ranked projects from the MPO. Right, and that's that's in the yeah um, yeah
0: And Vice Mayor Bogan, to your to your concern, I did an entire presentation to the entire MPO for all cities. I went to the Broward League of Cities at lunch, mm-hmm. no, what, last meeting.
10: Yeah, and, there.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, if you're there, you would know. Yeah, um, yeah. and I. Yeah, I'm yeah. not on the FBO. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, <laughs> well, <weren't you> there? <laughs> Any um, I did one at the uh, Broward League of Cities luncheon uh, to all the cities. So I have had it. I've tried my best to you know let everybody know. Okay. And, and so part said. of part of the having gone to the Broward League of Cities luncheon, this was the feedback I heard. the The feedback I heard from them directly was we want we would like to see an ila that is uh, this is in direct response to that so that's where that's where this is coming from okay with that i would like to entertain a motion no, very quick oh wait i'm sorry yeah. commissioner rich first and then commissioner got sorry about that thank you yeah sorry thank about you. that
7: okay so i just want to go back i want to reiterate again what, what commissioner Holness said and i was out there that the this the, the ballot initiative did not lose because of transportation last time it lost because of the infrastructure. Okay, so that's number one. I agree with with uh, Mayor Fur. This is a much better transportation plan than the last one. I want to just ask us all to focus when we talk about our cities. Some of our biggest cities, the future expense for them is going to be what Chris Walton talked about: senior transportation. And to me this is the population that we need to go to I've already started it I hope all of you will we all have seniors I have a large population of seniors in my district and they are excited about this opportunity because they all recognize that you know despite how hard we've tried we're not there yet on transportation for our seniors and with the tremendous growth this is going to be critical 2.4 billion dollars you said right over 30 years where where are the cities coming up with that where is anybody coming up with helping seniors like that we are the only ones and we are the ones that have to put this forward and I would just anticipate that this that the cities are going to when they realize what this does for their populations they are going to be with us and support it
0: and in the condensed slideshow that is available for all of us if we're going to take this sli- this uh, on the road it's the seven, there's two slides in particular. The deal with that exactly, right. Mr. Giller.
1: Ms. Um, Henry, as soon as the transcript is transcribed, can you send the part that I discussed about the rail commitments to Davian and Plantation? Because I've been hearing from both of them.
2: Happy to do so. <laughs> with
0: that, I'd like to entertain a motion.
13: So move, Mayor. Can I just ask I'm you? Sorry. Yes. Uh, first of all, I didn't know if you had anyone signed up to speak, public participation or oh, not. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. Did it, I did not. Mary, would you like to speak? Yeah, come on in.
17: Good afternoon, Mary Blasey, city manager of the city of Coconut Creek. Uh, Thank you for uh, hearing me today. Um, The one concern I do have about the 10% limit, and also including all of the reimbursements or costs to the community bus system, I think that it really isn't a Full 10% and I think it's close to maybe six and a half percent left for the cities uh, for their projects and Even given the 2.8 is it 2.8 billion that you've received Gretchen. Yes um, That that cities have put in I think it's probably a small portion of what's going to come in the next 30 years and That 2.8 is far more than the 7% that you're saying a minimum amount The spreadsheet, the thirty-year spreadsheet that Gretchen provided to to me, um, showed that uh, the balance in the first year was like forty-seven percent was going to be dropped through available for funding, and the second year I think it was forty-five percent. So I just, as as a city manager, and I think I speak for my other city managers, we'd like just to see a little bit more than the ten percent. Uh, minimum there because we really it's not a true 10 percent especially if you're going to include the community bus service which right now cities have been subsidizing approximately two-thirds of that with the county reimbursing us for about a third thank you
0: and, and just uh, as a reminder the 10 percent is a floor if you actually look at the 30-year plan every year it's consider it's considerably more than 10 and, percent and that's you know I, I hope all the cities get a chance to look at that 30-year spreadsheet because you 'll see far exceeds the ten percent most just as, a,
9: just as a basic clarification there 's a county road let 's say that we 're building it 's a county road it 's going to run through a city who cares
4: I was going to make that point. All the who money cares? we spend in is going to be spent in, in a city somewhere a small We have a the very small part, part of the right. county that 's unincorporated, so yeah. it 's all city money anyhow yeah.
0: Okay, with that, I'll entertain a motion.
4: So May, Mayor, I, sorry. I just keep trying. Last <laughs> one, I promise. Okay, well,
13: last one. Okay. Two things. I, I, I'm going to conform the things that we discussed, okay. including. Uh, motion to
9: approve uh, as amended uh, and, by Drew.
13: Uh, well, and also to make sure that the mayor's amendment uh, is, uh, is in there, included in the motion.
0: Okay. okay, I'm sorry. Was there anybody else from any other city that wanted to speak? No. Okay. 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 okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I have a motion. A
16: motion
4: uh, to approve
16: okay. as amended. I have a
0: second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. I'd just
16: like to add that if there's any city organization or group that would like to have a presentation, uh, we have a speakers bureau and we're out all over the county. So if if, if, if any group in your districts need a presentation or want a presentation, just let us know. We'd be happy to come out and, and walk them through the entire plan.
0: And Gretchen?
14: And also, each one of you, I'm reaching out to you. We are going to be giving you educational materials and outreach materials for your efforts that are specific to your role as an elected official.
0: Great, thank you very much, Amy. Oh, I'm sorry, you had a one something
5: you wanted to add? A quick non-ag- non-agenda item, a really quick, 60 seconds. Um, so I've met a lot of. I, I work in my district, like uh, Commissioner Rich. Uh, a lot of seniors, and a lot of them who have been have different diseases and been ill. I just recently met somebody with cancer. All have told me that the, um, the use of medical marijuana has helped their lives greatly. Incredible. And um, with that, I uh, also know that 76% of all voters in Broward County approved uh, medical marijuana and the use of medical marijuana. Now, what I learned yesterday was that um, a statewide candidate running for Commissioner of Agriculture, had her account closed. Nikki Fried had her account closed because she is promoting the use of medical marijuana. And Wells Fargo has decided to close her account based on her position. And considering that there's a candidate, I don't care who the candidate is, is advocating what 76% of the voters wanted in this county. And considering her right to freedom of speech and First Amendment right, I want to bring back an agenda item next meeting um, that would consider ask this commissioners to consider um, cease doing business with Wells Fargo if they don't want to support the will of our seventy six percent of our voters. I don't know why we're doing business with an entity that um, that doesn't go along with the majority of our voters. So that's all I wanted to do and tell them to bring that
10: forward.
0: Anything else? All right with that we're adjourned?